Did you know that this podcast is a part of the Jayzo Modcast Podcast Network? Chances are, if you enjoy this show, you'll find other great podcasts on the network, too. The Jayzo Modcast Network offers you a choice of shows seven days a week, starting with Monday. Join Rebecca C. Lofgren, Aaron Illick, and David K. Montoya in Seeing Red. The trio dive deep down the rabbit hole each week with a combination of geek and weird news. Then on Tuesdays, join the boys from the Great White North, Mike Lutz, Rob Bellamy, and Jason Beckard in the movie Madhouse as they bring you everything Hollywood and more. On Wednesdays, Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Expose Cafe, where he crosses the line of limits as he gives us news that is unforgettable and personal views that you'll definitely remember as well. Spend Thursdays with Jim Bennett and Nick McKelvey as they join forces in American Fat Ass Podcast to talk about various topics from news, sports, to their personal lives, all the while with a humorous slant in an unapologetic fashion. Fridays, Rob Bellamy is joined with Mike Lutz as they jump in the Wayback Machine to explore the archives of the JZO Modcast to give you three hours of audio entertainment in Flashback Fridays. Saturdays, join JZO Modcast founder David K. Montoya as he explores the world for a single of Who's the Boss? Then Sundays, finish the week with What We Think with hosts S. Sadie Burbank and David K. Montoya as they tell us exactly what they think about pop culture, celebrities, and the world at large with a ton of vulgarity mixed in for good measure. The JZO Modcast Podcast Network. We've got what you want seven days a week for free. Listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And don't forget to check us out at jazelmon.com slash jazelmodcast. And now enjoy this free jazelmodcast show. Welcome to another episode of Flashback Fridays. My name is Rob. I'm Mike. And we're here to help you get back into the history. Ah, oh, frack. That brief moment of silence <laughs> was brought to you by... Rob not turning on the main volume. <laughs> no, it's for the hearing impaired people. Is okay? it the, sign, the sign language version of the uh, That's podcast? right. <laughs> Make sure you insert the sign language in there, Dave. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, this is just off to a roaring start. Oh, yeah. This is half-hour dissertations of... I'm talking away, and Dave's or Mike's pointing at the mixing board. Look, look. It's, what? It's a mixing board. <laughs> oh, the volume's at zero. The broken mixing board. <laughs> <sighs> that was an auspicious start. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us. For <laughs> <laughs> the hearing impaired. Um, bye, bye. Yes, there's sign language. <laughs> God, that just goes way over the line, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, Hearing at least it wasn't a milk trick for the last show. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> See, the hearing pair didn't have to put up with that. 
Uh-huh. You look at the transcript, it says slurp, slurp. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Flashback Fridays. Oh, <laughs> this is where we make a mess of things and educate you on the history of the Jason Mod Podcast Network. <laughs> Keep going. <sighs> I don't know if I can. <laughs> Our first episode in Flashback Friday is Seeing Red number six, way back to December. <laughs> you look in your face. <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to live this one down for quite some time. <laughs> this will come up in our own podcast. I can see it. Jason will be relieved of uh... abuse, dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's going to be me. Damn it. Okay, our first episode, Seeing Red, number six, <laughs> from December of 2000. I'm just shutting your mic off, man. That's what- <laughs> this one says, Dave, Rebecca, and Aaron get together on New Year's Eve and cover the best of 2012 with a special guest and a lot of booze and even more random laughter. Enjoy the show. No, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> so this is a, a review show inside a review show? Yeah. Very meta. You know. Carry on. Okay. Enjoy. Seeing Red, number six. <laughs> Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Sibling Rivalry. This is David K. Montoya. This is Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Oach. And this is Liam Haldassian, and I am special commentator and presenter to the 2012 Awards. Thank you. Since today is the last day of 2012, we decided to do the best of 2012. We've checked our references and we found out best movies, best video games, best songs, best artists. So we're going to go through. Miss Kardashian is going to present the award and, you know, then we'll have a conversation. Also, folks, just to let you know, we are watching a timer. We're ticking down. We're going to end 2012 here on this show. Okay, so let's get to the first topic. And the first topic is best group. According, Car- according to MTV. According to MTV. Miss Cardassian, who is the winner of best group of 2012? The winner of 2012. I'm so hot. I, I got to tell you, I'm so hot. But I, I'm, I'm famous and I'm hot and I'm good. Okay, well, thank you. But can you tell us who the winner is? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the what is Wazawasa? Huh? What? Well, what is Wazawasa? Rebecca, what is she saying? The winner is One Direction. One Direction. That's what I say. What are you saying? I can't understand the damn thing you're saying. I said, that's so odd. What? <laughs> <laughs> So, what what do you know about One Direction, Rebecca? Um, basically, they're like a boy band. I think they started on Nickelodeon or Disney, and I think they're horrible. Mm-hmm. They and have, but yet they won Best Group. Well, according to MTV, they're, they're the top artists of the year. And they, I'm disappointed to see that they're the winner, but they're basically like just, they're turning to Justin Bieber. All the little girls are like after them. I guess that's why they won. Oh, I don't know. Christ. Yeah, they have dolls for them now. We saw them at Toys R Us the other day. 
and they all I want to tell you story about what happened. So this there was this girl who was dying. Uh-huh. This is why I don't like them. The main okay. reason. This girl was dying, and her wish was for them to like perform for her or something like that, and they denied her. They said they couldn't take a break from their busy tour schedule to meet with her. With the dying little girl. Yeah. Screw you, dude. Dudes. Dudettes. <laughs> <They're not> dudes. <laughs> um, what about you? Do you know anything? What's uh, your opinion? Other than what she says, pretty much all I know, really. So... For the <laughs> sibling rivalry review, are we giving it three thumbs down? Yes. All right. Yeah. All right, Miss Kardashian, give it a, another whirl. What do you got? Then that's what if a best song. Best song? Yeah, that's what I said. It's a best song. Okay. The best song. For best song. Best song? What? <laughs> is it is it a silk or what? Uh, the best best. Funny song. Coming baby back Hollywood on the Fire <laughs> I can't understand the thing she's saying. Uh, give me the paper. Okay, the winner of best song is Call Me Maybe by Carly Ray Jepsen. That's that. <laughs> Okay, just sit down. Relax. Sit down. We're good. Okay, now I, I just heard this song just a couple minutes ago. Well, this is what we were talking about last episode. And I, I have to agree that just within a few seconds of hearing the tone and the voice and the singing and the lyrics, that just turned me off completely. And then, that's a hot. And that's a hot. Would you shut the hell up? Okay, sit down. We all have our opinions. Just sit down. Man, for Christ's sake, leave us alone. Maybe you want to lay down, maybe you want to relax. Maybe you want to lay in your tanning bed some more, okay? This is a hot, mascated cocoa. Oh, I think we're going to have a two-hour show here. <laughs> Um, so again, three thumbs down? Yes. Out. Um, well, if you count Kim over there, she, she likes you. She's, yeah. That's it. Just down some, dance in the corner. I'll, I'll read a few of you. Okay, just stand over there away from the mic. It's like yelling at a barking chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> this won't stop. Why would you just stop? Now, this is one that interests me. Um, the best movie quote. Cleanse them. Oh, I can't even read my own writing. Uh, you mean to read it? Oh, cleanse them. Cleanse the world of ignorance and sin. Bathe them in crimson. Of, am I on speakerphone? And that comes from what movie? Cabin, Cabin in the, the Woods. Woods. Which I would personally recommend go watch it. A lot of people don't. Like really the movie. Like the movie. But in my eyes, the, the concept of the movie is really original and it does, in fact, have the guy that played Thor. In and he it. dies in it. Oh, yeah, really? and he dies. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoilers. I have a cabin in the woods. That's where I shot my chef video. I look so damn hot. 
Okay, thanks for that information. I did. I, I got there and done it at the cabin in the woods. Okay, good job. Well, obviously you weren't in the cabin in the woods because uh, you aren't dead. <laughs> <laughs> I did a creative humor. Well, that's funny. I don't get it. I did a sex tape in Cabin in the Woods and, and then I made my million dollars and, and now I'm with this rich guy and he, he done me and t- just sat down. Set. That's it. Set. We're going to have to get some trick plays or something. So I'm going to get this right, Miss Kardashian. You were one of the ones that was attacking the people? No. She made a sex tape. And then she killed her career in the cabin in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can't even do the best comic series. You have to do it. (laughs) Okay. I was so heartbroken. The best comic series. This is according to MTV. Um, Number one was Saga. Which I never even heard of. I haven't heard of either. It's produced by Image Comics. Number two is Hawkeye. Let's hear your input on that. (laughs) Hawkeye is is one of those characters. He's a secondary character. He's not even a major character. And for him to, to come out... Because, you know, Kevin Smith did that Green Arrow for... DC Comics, DC, so yeah. now that um, Hawkeye is very similar to, you know, they're trying to run yeah. a competition gauntlet. I just don't think he has the, the, the character development yeah. to pull a whole series. Yeah, he lacks the charisma as a character, in my opinion, and, and he's a bit of a douche. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bit of a douche, so. Okay, number three is Batman. Batman. I, I got online, and I, I read some... Uh, you know, people have scanned the books in, and I've read some stuff. And he's gotten gritty and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way that they portrayed the Joker. Um, honestly, I, I what I've read and seen, I would actually put Batman in the number one spot. Yeah. Number four is Mind Management. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it either. Have you? No. No. Number five is Profit. Now, Profit, Profit's from Image. Well, it used to be from Image. It was created by Rob Liefeld. And Rob Liefeld came in during the time of uh, Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri. Now, these guys were fantastic artists, and, and they were actually really good writers, too. Mm-hmm. Somehow, um, Liefeld fell into the, the cracks because <clears throat> he made it famous, the Cupid doll book. Or, you know, towards the like the mid '90s, all the characters looked like Cupid dolls, mm-hmm. buffed up Cupid dolls. Yeah, he was the one that came in. He was very stiff. You know, his drawings were stiff. They didn't have much movement, and they all looked like they were trying to take a shit. You know, their, their teeth were gritty. <laughs> like, you know, so I don't think he's the one per se who's probably doing the writing and the storytelling. But that's where it kind of came from. And it's been so long, I really don't even remember what the you know, what the whole story is yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's next? Number six is um, Fantastic Four. I was going to say Final Fantasy, because, uh, sorry, because it's FF. Okay, Fantastic Four is number six. I don't know, really, what's <laughs> going on with Fantastic Four anymore. Um, after the relaunch, mm-hmm. you know, they, they rebooted everything. Yeah. And I just, I've got so confused on what's going on. I just kind of just said, okay. What do you got next? Number seven is Snarked. Asnat. 
I am so fucking snarked right now. No, not snark. It's a comic book. No, I'm snark, man. You gave me some food. This. Okay. Did you draw it? No, I didn't die. This block. No, just go on to the next one. Um. Well, real fast. Snarked is uh. From what I read, it's about the take on like the Alice in Wonderland thing. So uh, that's all I know about it. Okay. Oh, the the the. The carpenter. Yeah, the walrus. The walrus. There we go. Yeah, and it has like the Queen of Hearts and different stuff in it. <coughs> Number eight is before Watchman Minuteman. I've never heard of that. Um, DC came out in the beginning of this year because Watchman is so epic, and mm. I actually have the graphic novel, and I've read the graphic novel so many times. Very intense, true storytelling. I mean, if if, if superheroes were alive today. These would be the superheroes of today, you know, yeah. just dark, gritty. There's a fine, fine balance between being good and evil, and they walked a very thin line between that. It, and so, before all that happened, um, have you read the book or seen the movie? I've seen the movie. You know, in the beginning of the movie, they, they showed the watch. You know, before, you know, the the old group of yeah. people. That's what it's about, and it's about you know becoming the Watchmen. And everything in between what was missed in the beginning. So I guess it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Number nine is Harbinger. Never heard of it. No. No clue. And number ten is End of the Effing World. That sounds like a like something I could read. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've never even heard of it. Me either. So that gives me hope. Maybe, maybe my ass needs to get back into comic books. If, if, you know, titles out of the blue are becoming... You know, top ten picks. Maybe mm -hmm. I should get my my shit together and get in there. Yeah. You want to read the best shows according to MTV? I guess so. Uh, yeah. Okay, because, okay. Sit down. Sit down, Kim. He's gonna read it. Just sit down. Relax. All right. Here we go. Best shows of 2012. First. Keep it up with the is number one. Number one show. Keep it up with We made million dollars. I married a guy for family who did. And we made millions of It was good. Actually, your show's not even on the list. What? No, yeah, your show's not on the list. How the hell am I on my list? I don't know. Sit down. Just relax the bow tie. Someone get the bitch a martini, okay? Something. Get a martini so she'll go to bed. Okay. Just, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, this uh, this show right here sounds like a perfect show for her to watch. It's a very popular show. Everybody is familiar with it, I'm sure. It's called Doctor Who. So. I've heard of it, but I've actually never seen it. Yeah, I mean, is that? I think that's the American. This American one, right? Yes. I think that's the American version. Uh, the second is something I've actually wanted to get into. Not really start watching, but start reading, because I heard the novel version is a lot better. What is that? The Game of Thrones. I've never. Well, I mean, I've heard of it, but I've never. Isn't seen it, it like on Showtime or HBO or something? It's on HBO. Okay. Yeah, I think I've watched a couple episodes of it. Uh, I believe number three is Community. I've never heard of Community, that. I've never heard, I've never heard of it either. Four, very, very popular among us and among a lot of people as well. Walking Dead. Walking Dead, shut up and sit down. Walking Dead should be number one. Yeah. I have. I mean, other than starting the podcast, because you know we, we normally record on Sunday, so I yeah. missed The Walking Dead. So I actually missed the first part of episode or season three. 
But before that, I seen every single Walking Dead that's came out. Yeah, I think it should be number one. The storytelling is fantastic. Yes, the acting is fantastic. Special yeah. effects is everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those shows you have to watch from like the beginning. Like I, I started watching it on Netflix, and I go to what season two or season three? two, season two, and Justin comes over and sits down and puts on the new episodes, and I'm like, oh my god, wait, okay. that person's dead. Keep in mind, folks, <laughs> Justin is a cousin of Rebecca and, and David. David. Um, bit of a smart act. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we'll be nice because I'm pretty sure he probably listens to this. <laughs> anyway, uh, Fringe is number five. Now, Fringe, that's from J.J. Uh, Abram, right? Or is that from um, the Scots? I don't remember. Ridley and Tony Stott, uh, Scott? I don't know, but I know that it's. I heard it's popular. It's a good show. Like I haven't watched it, but it looks good from like the previews I've seen. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it, but I've never seen anything on it. <laughs> uh, number six is Once Upon a Time. I like that show. It's a weird show. No, that's fairy tales, right? Yeah, it's like basically it's like there's a reality, and there's like a fairy tale world. And it goes between, like, what's really happening in reality and has, like, these people that are just, like, normal people. Uh-huh. And then it puts them, like, in grim stories. Well, that sounds cool. As characters. It's a pretty good show. <clears throat> Is it on sci I've heard about it. No, it's on... Channel 4, isn't it? Channel 4 or Channel 7? Yeah. Or, well, for non-California residents, that would be NBC or ABC at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 7 is another one of our favorites, True Blood. Another no, HBO number show. Number 8 is True Blood. Number seven. Number seven was. I don't remember. Hold on. Number seven. I told you, it's not even on the list. Number seven was Sherlock. Yeah. I've never heard. Now, they came out with um, <coughs> a modern day version of Sherlock Holmes on uh, CBS. And Lucy Liu is actually the one. She plays Watson. Really? And, oh, and, really? And from that, it actually turned me off because. You know, you're, you're deviating away, yeah. away from the traditional story. Yeah. Right. Um, I've never even heard of Sherlock being. I know. I I didn't even know they made any show of it. Yeah. Um, That's True Blood. <laughs> number eight is True Blood. Sorry. I love that show. Yeah, that. <laughs> I don't think you follow it. No, I don't. But follow But this it. last season, the last episode was like. Cause you know they always cut it off and they like they kill your hopes and dreams because you have to wait a year to watch like it. Statue right. in the heart. Like, this no! one is a really big hope and dream killer. Like it's, they ended it like, I don't know. They should do it like The Walking Dead though, you know, because The Walking Dead will give you six episodes, make you wait two three months instead of a full year, and then they give you another yeah. six episodes. Yeah. Also, this new season because they have twelve episodes per season. Mm-hmm. This new season because. Um, Anna Paquin was pregnant. Mm-hmm. They're only going to have 10 episodes. Oh, really? Which kind of disappoints me. But I know they're going to, the season's, like, this isn't going to be the, the, ne- the new season's not going to be the finale of the whole, ep- like, show, mm-hmm. but I know they're going to keep going, but I'm just kind of curious to see what they're going to, how they're going to pack all that into 10 episodes. And for those who aren't familiar with True Blood, it's sort of, it, it, from the name, it's sort of vague, it sounds vampiric, but trust and believe that it's, has a lot more to do than just vampires. than just vampires. So if you're interested, take a look. If not, you know. I forgot number nine and ten. 
Oh, go ahead and do that again. I'm sorry. Uh, number nine is Booth at the End. Never heard of it. Never nope. heard of it either. So, and ten is Face Off. No, I've seen a couple episodes of Face Off. That show is cool. I love that, like, you know... Special effects. Special effects and... makeup and stuff. It's awesome. Okay, let's see. What's next on the line? Sit down. I'm going to take this one. Uh, okay, after best shows, we have the top five movies. <clears throat> now, as a comic book nerd, and I know Rebecca's a comic book nerd, and I'm going to say Aaron's a comic book enthusiast, would that be more appropriate? Yeah. Um, it does this all very well to see these movies in the top. Yes. Um, when I we first started going over it, I already called number one. I knew what number one was going to be, and that is The Avengers. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. They finally found a good person to play the whole. Yes, finally. It took like 20 years, but they finally, they finally well, did it. No, well, I, that, I disagree a little bit about that, because I, I believe Edward Norton... He's a really good actor. I mean, the Hulk wasn't really one of his better roles, but I believe he played it a lot better than the first Hulk. Well, see, the, well, the first Hulk was an embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. Edward Norton did do better, but I think Mark Ruffalo is more believable. Yes. Well, that and my issue is, uh, who was the, the second one? What was his name? Edward Norton. Norton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ed, Edward Norton. He pulled a lot of his I'm a producer stuff. Yeah. A yeah. lot of stuff got changed from the original. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's why it worked because a lot of stuff he came up with. Yeah. Yeah. And so because he came up with, he can identify with me. Now I'm the type of person if I if you're an actor and I have a script, I'm your director, and I say, Here's the script, give me a scene. Now, I don't mind a little bit of improv Yeah. but when you just toss the whole script out and, and kind of go on whim, that's mm-hmm. when I have a problem. So the, the, the creative, and that's why they didn't bring it back. That's the whole reason why they didn't bring yeah. it back. Yeah. Is because he wanted to do it his way. And, he, mm-hmm. you know, several times during the shoot, he's like, okay, I'm out of here. You know, you take the money. I don't need the money. But, you know, I'm out of here. Yeah. And they're, they're deep into months at this point in production yeah you know they're like okay fine just do your thing so that's why um the main thing i I think the reason why well there's two reasons why i think the avengers worked the avengers work number one is because iron man robert downey jr was in it though they they evenly divided his his time with all his other co you know co-actors or co-stars rather i'm sorry um, to me, he just makes the movie. His his persona is just so bold. I think it actually outshines everybody. I don't agree with that. Like, I mean, I love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, but I feel like they all meshed really well together. Mm-hmm. All the people they chose to put in the movie together. Yeah. Um, one of the best quotes, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, because they were Captain America and Iron Man were were fighting. And he's like, Yo, put on the suit, put on the suit. And he's like, what are you without the suit? And Tony Stark looks at him and he's like, uh, a billionaire playboy for the philanthropist. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he's got owned right there. <laughs> he's like, he looks at him like dead stare. He's like, 
You, <laughs> he wants to make his retort, but he has nothing else to say. Right. Um, and but the key fact, the absolute key factor, the movie wouldn't have been as good as it was without Josh Whedon. Yeah. Because he not only directed it, but he did the script as well. Yeah. And he made the movie. He needs to make more movies. I'm a big fan of Josh Whedon. He's an awesome writer and director and. I want to go back to one of the other topics for 2012. Okay. And bring him up for this movie. And it's Hawkeye. I believe the person that played Hawkeye is, he's a really good actor. He's a really good actor, don't get me wrong. Right. And I like the fact that they didn't make Hawkeye a complete douchebag. <laughs> right? Was well, it, or was it did, just me? They did make him a bad guy in the beginning, though. Yeah. Yeah, but... It wasn't really again. It was like against his will. Yeah. So Hawkeye, sort of Hawkeye in my my phone. It, it called Hawkeye. You find the Hawkeye. You find my phone. It, sh- sh- sit down. We don't want to hear about your movie. Then I, I went and went viral on YouTube. It was a hot it was Hawkeye. Uh. Just sit down with somebody. Just Becca, go go get her something to drink. All right. Go, you know what? Go get her some more Botox. That's what she needs. Just go, okay. go. A glass with, of Botox. Just get her some Botox. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um. So Avengers was number one. Shut up. Don't say a word. Number two was Dark Knight Rises, which is another comic book movie. I finally had an opportunity to watch it. Um. I had some issues with it, but it was overall a good movie. Yeah, that's the same way I felt about it. Like it. Like, at the end of the movie, it sort of felt empty. Like, you wanted to see more with it. Well, do you remember me... I think it was last... No, not last episode. Actually, it's been two episodes two ago. Episodes, yeah. You know, I was talking about Star Wars and how there shouldn't be a big time gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They opened up with an eight-year time gap. Yep. And I was like, ah, oh, just come on, just... What, he hurt his knee, and he decided to retire, you know, that didn't work with me. It didn't play very well at the very beginning, because it, it was like, it's like you're taking, he was just in his prime, he just, you know, killed Joker, you know, all this stuff happened, and then it's like, from being the Dark Knight, to being a crippled old man. Right. Like, what? And then, and then he became Batman again. Why are you trying to kill me, Joker? Why are you trying to kill me, Joker? Are you talking about Batman? I'm in a movie about Batman Rises, and it was really good. Shut up, bad bitch. <laughs> Sit down and drink a martini. Uh, Christian Bell has just entered the room. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um... I haven't seen it. Rebecca is a, a fan of the next one, number three, Hunger Games. What what can you tell me I about that? I love that movie. I don't know. I it's one of those cult like you know cult <laughs> class. It's gonna be a cult class movie. I already know it, this. Well, the, the book was a cult classic yeah. itself. It's a really good movie, in my opinion. I can't wait for the next three movies to come out. I think one's coming out next year. Yep. Uh, Girl on Fire. Yep. So what, is there five books or four books? There's three books, but they're gonna do the whole third book two movie thing oh that's okay. a popular thing they gotta make more money you know 
Mm-hmm. I'll have to remember that when we come out with the end. Yeah. Uh, okay, so number... Where are we at? Number four, four is another movie um, you've seen with Lacey and Mom is the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. Um, I'm a dude. I'm, I'm not really heavily into that. I think you would like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very action-y. Because I'm Christian Bale and I need action. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real... Okay. All I can say is basically... For anybody who's been following the Twilight movies, it's uh-huh. the movie that actually made the series finally. Like, it, it, it cemented it together? Not even that it cemented it together. It's like, you know, you go to watch them, and they're, the other f- three, yeah, the other three were enjoyable. Three, right? Or four. How many movies are there? Four. Four. This is the fifth one, huh? Yep. Okay, then. No, yeah. no, no, there's four. There's, there's four, four movies, but this is the fifth Twilight movie. Twilight Yeah, there's five movies. Yeah. The other four, they were okay. The acting was okay. I mean, it was a story you, you, girls can get into this. Right. But the new Twilight was amazing. It was all the action you've been waiting for. It was the acting that you've been waiting for. It was just an awesome overall movie. Aaron went to see it with me, and he liked it. It was the action I was waiting for. <laughs> um, I'll probably see it. You know, because that's one thing I've always done for Lacey. So I, I, yeah, you know, you're you're gonna see. <laughs> it's inevitable. It's a good movie. I think you like it. But every time you know it comes out on DVD, I was you know pick it up for the the day it drops. I yeah. pick it up for a DVD. So mm. the only one that I haven't seen thus far, other than part two, is I haven't seen part one. Uh, but Lacey's seen them all. We have it. Borrow it. He's like, no. <laughs> what part one? Yeah. No, I have part one. I just haven't watched it. Oh, okay. He's like, I refuse. <laughs> Are you seeing it in his eyes? He's like, and then number five is Skyfall, and that's the new James Bond movie. Shut up, bitch! Nobody's talking to you. Drink your damn martini. I if the, I do okay. And you know, what? Uh, one time I was told that I Skyfall before, uh, but a man was behind me. It was like backwards, and then you coming down. It was proud pain, and we were going in circle. And he's going to destroy the Skyfall. What? There's a Skyfall on your ass What did you just say? Oh, I wish you had more celebrities over more often. This I know. Um, I haven't seen Skyfall. I really want to see it. I haven't seen it either. I I like Daniel Craig as James Bond. He, he fits perfectly with the modern day... Uh, you know, version of James Bond, um, as much as like Sean Connery did fit back in the '60s and in the early part of '70s, it just it works. Yeah. And at first, when I um, seen him, what was it? Quantum Solace was his first one, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, eh, you know, I don't know, because I didn't like uh, what was his name, Tim- Timothy Timothy Dalton 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 Dalton. Um, that's kind of when I stopped following James yeah. Bond because my two favorites are Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan. Really? Mm-hmm. I do not like Pierce Brosnan and James Bond at all. I don't even like him. I hate him. But anyways, that's, that, another, that's, that's a story for another time. I watch, I was like, well, yeah, that and, and for <laughs> me though, with um, the, what was the dude's last name again? The new one? No, no, the other one. Dalton. 
Timothy Dalton. 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 He seemed like a. I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I apologize if I offend anybody, but this is. It, there's no way to say it nicely. He just seemed like he was a French faggot. He didn't <laughs> seem like he was like you know an English hardcore super agent. Yeah. He just seemed you know. Where is my champagne? You know it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite go with the, the background of 007. Like. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work, and and that's when I fell out. It's like he he. They made him a playboy. Yeah. it's He's not a playboy. He's a badass. It's different. Well, and, and the chicks, that's just kind of secondary from being a badass. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the chicks fall in this place. Um, but when I watched the Quantum Solace, I was, I was impressed. I, I liked the fact that he screwed up a couple times. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't make him perfect. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and then I, I've been following it. And, um, neither when it gets to DVD or... or you know, streaming digital or something, I'll, I'll probably check it out. Um, I know Larry Walton over on Saturday Segments, he, he gave it high praise. And he's he literally has every single James Bond movie made. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, getting a high high honors from from Larry, you know, I think it's it's gonna be very good. Yeah. And let's just mention though, you know, this made the top best of twenty twelve, it just came out. And it's probably still going to be rolling even. I don't About know. If, in the March? Yeah. Making uh, it, a good profit? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, even though it might have made, you know, um, number five for 2012, it might actually go up to number one for 2013. Yeah. So we don't know. Um, but we're going to skip Kim. I'm not sure what she's doing. It, look, it looks like. Because she was just eating a sandwich ago, so I think she's in the bathroom purging. I'm not sure. But. Um, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to hand it off to you, Bets. The next category is Best uh, Books. So All right. Go ahead and take it over. <clears throat> and we gave you, a, a, what, top ten books, right? Yes. Okay, so you'll see why we gave you a top ten list instead of top five. But go ahead. These are the best-selling books according to Amazon.com of 2012. Number one, Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not surprised because every 25-year-old, 38-year-old housewife is reading this book right now, so I, I'm not surprised it's there. And that's kind of bad. Oh, you're bad. Yeah, you, you got a little something right here on your mouth. And then, oh, it was sexy. It was almost as sexy as me, but it was it was good. I, I enjoyed it. And then I, I went and all the, the, the S&M and said, oh, it was really good. And I sat and I watched it. And I, I went and found my red bubble hand, and we went. Okay, I don't want to hear no more. Don't you ever get tired of talking? Like, honestly? <laughs> I have a sexy voice, so I like to hear myself talk because I have such a sexy voice. So, that's why I like to Good eye! <laughs> okay, number two is a real shocker. Like, I was so surprised. Fifty Shades Darker. Now, that's actually the second book in the series. Yes, right? I'm not shocked. I'm going to be sarcastic, <laughs> but yes. That's the second book in the series. I don't. I don't know. I haven't read this. I can't really. You can't really judge it based. Judge upon... it, but I don't know. I just don't like. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna like it. So, are we in the world of mommy porn? I mean, is that what I need to start writing? Is mommy porn to, I... to get up into the? You know. I, I don't know. I think it's for. Because <laughs> I've, I've. They're seen... calling it mommy porn. No, well, I've seen people younger, even reading this book, like how younger, like my age. Well, yeah, see, yeah. if if it was like, you know, 
Jaden's age or, or no, even, yeah, that's even to like I wouldn't even let a sixteen year old. Well, okay, because I've seen excerpts yeah. on the web. I'm like, holy hell, you know, she gets graphic. I go to a school as it's predominantly all chicks, and it, it's age like seventeen to fifty. You know, right. people that go there and literally. People 17 to 50 are reading this book. Every person in my class has the book. All the teachers have the book. Faculty. I'm like, what the What's hell? What's this deep session like, with this You book? have to read this book. I'm like, why? What's so good about it? They can't even tell me a reason to read it. You just have to read it. You just have to. It's so steamy. I'm like, why else would I care about steamy? Like, like why would I want to read about sex when I can actually have it and not be sad? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's It's true. It is true. I mean, and that's... I'm not like that one. No. <laughs> number three is Fifty Shades Freed. Big surprise. No, that's number three. Yes. We're counting down right now. <laughs> number four, <laughs> thank God, is The Hunger Games. Which is I is good. I like The Hunger Games. Number five is... I can't Oh. Strengths Finder 2.0. No idea what that is. Never, Never heard, heard of it. Never heard of it. No, Never no. Heard of it. Number six is Catching Fire, which is the Hunger Games Part 2. Okay. Number seven is Mockingjay, which is the Hunger Games Part 3. Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mockingjay is a little national bird they have. Oh, okay. Because I know, uh, was it last year? I think it was last year when uh, Steve Bolin and his crew was still running the World of Myth. Um, one of the, the book reviewers reviewed that one. Oh, okay. So I had no clue. Okay. And the biggest surprise of all, number eight, is the Fifty Shades box set. <gasps> oh my god, I want it for Christmas. I said that I would love the set in love and it in me. Well, I would read because I can't really read, but I had my hot boy here read it for me, and it would be really steamy. And it would be really good because he don't really I don't think books. Kanye West can read. He can't rap, so I don't think he can read either. Yeah, don't you know he's a genius of a genius? <laughs> yeah. God, I, I want to get into this. He, 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 just, just leave. Do something. I just, you pay me, and I hear the whole show. So I just find my input. Okay. Yeah, that's true. We, we already forked out the cash. Sit down. Okay, go ahead. Number nine is... That the, doesn't mean read the, fra the, read the fridge either, damn it. <laughs> Number nine is The Third Wheel, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I know that series, this is the seventh book. That series is, is very popular. No, no, that's... That's four. also a movie. There's three movies, isn't there? Yeah. Well, so, oh, well now. Yeah. I'm trying to remember... I think I've seen the movie. I think I've seen the very first movie. There's one, uh, the second one is Roderick, Roderick's Rules. Yeah. I don't know. The third one either had just came out or is coming out. It's, I think it just had came out. And then number 10 is No Easy Day, the first-hand account of the mission that killed Osama bin Laden. I wouldn't read that. I wouldn't either. No. That is, you know... That sounds all bad in one title. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. It's just something that... Um, I don't know. I'd rather watch, like, a, you know, a CNN special about it. Read it. That's the Yeah. Just, that just alright the next category is the best video games of the year according to the VGAs I just said best video I mean, 
Oh, no, 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 no. Video games. Video games. Not video James. We don't know who James is. Judge just yet. We can only find out. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Less games. As voted for VGAs. These are the, these are the top nominees. Top nominees, no, including should, the winner. You should explain what the VGAs are because I didn't know what the VGAs were until <laughs> you explained it to me just recently. The VGAs are uh, video game awards for each year. They have it held on Spike TV Live, national uh-huh. television. Um, they have separate categories, and then they have their own overall categories for the video games of the year, such as different systems, etc. Okay. And the best games overall for this year, so far, well, so far, the standing year. Anyway, The Walking Dead, the video game, is number one. I can see that, just how popular the, the movie, or not the movie, but the, the show is. The show yeah. is. Assassin's Creed 3 is number 2. Dishonored is number 3. Journey is number 4, which I'm I'm really surprised because it is uh, a PS3 exclusive downloadable game. Uh Uh-huh. So, there's a lot of controversy between uh, single console games being voted for Game of the Year. Yeah. Um... And number five. Oh, because it's on different... It, it is it, on it's different... It's only on it's PlayStation. Only yeah, it's exclusive. And you can only download it through the PlayStation Network. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And number five is Mass Effect 3. Uh, number one... Is the winner. Was the winner, which is Walking Dead. Like you said, it, that's, not surprising is that the one? Is that the one that's downloadable where you have to download the, the yes. chapters? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I know you guys are on the video games, and... and you folks probably won't hear a lot of me because that's Rebecca's and Aaron's. Once upon there. a time, folks, he was a gamer, believe it or not. But I just wanted to bring up something I seen on the internet the other day. They are making a Walking Dead movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. It's going to be a full-on two-hour. What, is that going to be the last? Are they going to end the series or what? Um, nothing's being said. Wow. And they would be stupid to end the series. Yeah. But it's just probably just another bit of story because they can push, you know, they, they push the storyline really, really far, mm. you know, on TV. This is probably going to give them an opportunity to push that boundary yeah. into a deep R. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, guys. I'm sorry. Um, for Xbox Ooh, category. Wait. I want to talk about the games with that. Oh, uh, Mass Effect 3. That, <laughs> that was a very controversial game. Uh, if people don't know, Mass Effect 3 is a third-person shooter RPG. Um, a lot of people were disappointed with this one. Because, did did um, they have to like put out DLC content to give it a better ending because people were yeah, so upset? It was free, downloadable, patch content because the ending of the game was so horrible that they had to go back and remake the ending of the game. Really? Keep yeah. in mind, this is a game with multiple endings. <laughs> okay? yeah. And they all sucked. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then Assassin's Creed 3. Assassin's Creed 3 was, uh, it, it, 
It was blown out of the water a little bit. No, that one was the one that was um, revolutionary time. I, yes, it was. I haven't played the game, but I've watched Aaron play it. Yeah. It's like, to me, it's like a game that I've never seen made before. Like it's, Never before. <laughs> it's so, like, to me, like, the graphics are really good, but you get to play as the the main character you play as is Connor, and he's a Native American. Uh-huh. And the actual fighting style is so different from the other ones. Like, he uses, like, at first he's a bow, no, what does he have? The bow first. and arrow, right? At first. Yes. Hell, I don't remember all this. <laughs> well, I don't want to, like, get too much into the game. Talk about the, the storyline, you're talking about the, the gameplay. Yeah, the gameplay itself, uh, you, you use basically a tomahawk, okay? This tomahawk is really good, it's agile, it's fast, it's easy to attack with. My personal favorite, the infamous Hidden Blades. I love Hidden Blades. <laughs> There's no question on that. Um, as she was saying, the gameplay was changed a lot compared to the other Assassin's Creed's. Uh, I believe it's one of the better. Now, how is it so different? Okay, like, this... She's seen this. Uh, from... It's hard to explain, but... Okay, I'm <laughs> someone who's coming back into the video game world. Uh -huh. Sell me the game. Tell right. me what I want to hear, you know, to, to buy the game. So, go for it. Sell me the game. The game itself is very easy to figure out. Uh, it may seem complicated at first, but the fighting system, the combat system, is very, very unique. Okay? By what I mean by saying that, is that you have precise control of each battle that you encounter. Okay. okay. Meaning, if say uh, a firing line of men come up, like five people, they're getting ready to fire at you. You can grab a nearby enemy and use him as a meat shield. Okay. He you dies. You can go over and assassinate. Wow. Yeah. You can get um this. I don't know where he got it. I think he got it from somebody else. But you get this uh, Asian tool. Okay. You can go. You can run up on trees. And use this thing to hang people. Yeah, you stab them and you pull them down and hang them. Mm -hmm. On trees. It's a it's a really cool game. I like the storyline though. Like the whole Native American thing. That they, I don't right, know. Right. It's uh basically while you're this Native American, you're learning your uh, your roots and stuff like that. Before you even get into being an assassin, you uh are hunting. Yeah, in the you're forest. hunting. It's cool. Yeah. Bears. Uh, Kill bears, rabbits, mm -hmm. foxes. Set traps to get food, fur, pelts. Leather. I have lots of fur, lots of fur, my father. But not bad. It is like fast fur, or expensive fur. But he likes just the leather fur, and that's it. And then it goes. Miss Kardashian, we're not talking about your personal fur collection. We know you're into those abstract things, <laughs> but we have better things to talk about than your personal fur. And then the last game is Dishonored. Oh, Dishon yeah, Dishonored. Dishonored. Uh, we haven't got a chance to play we it. We have it, but we put, we watched the trailer on it, and it looks really good. I've seen gameplay on it. I've seen the trailer for it. And to me, the idea of sort of steampunk Nazi-esque type things while first person person assassinating stuff like that with like telekinetic powers is it, to me that's pretty original yeah 
Okay. Um. I want to read this one. Next category. She's getting crazy. Okay, the next category is the best Xbox games of the year. Number one, of course, is Halo 4. Which, that, it's understandable because the Halo, it, it, the Halo series <laughs> itself is a deadbeat horse. It's done. I know Jaden, because Jaden has an Xbox, he, he asked for it, and I, I just, I said no. You know, because he's 11, and I, from what I understand, there's a it, lot of blood and gore. Very much. And it was the winner. It was the top game. And I don't know if you know something, but it was also voted the best graphics of all games. Yes. Surprising. Number two is Assassin's Creed 3. Of course. Again, thumbs up. Number three is Borderlands 2. Um, Borderlands 2, if people aren't familiar with that, that's also another uh, RPG. It's a first-person shooter RPG, basically. You level up, and you can get uh, leveled up weapons, such as like guns, depending on the role of your character. Uh, sometimes you can get a character that can heal other people. Uh, if anybody's played Borderlands 1, there's, of course, the soldier character where you can throw out a turret. Anybody in the vicinity can get healed by this turret, and you can use bullets or grenades that take away life from enemies and give back to your teammates. So, if you're into those intricate types of things, that's definitely one of your Portes. And then number four is Dishonored, which is funny because Dishonored, I see Dishonored all over the nominations, mm -hmm. and a lot of people say that that game's crappy, mm -hmm. but it must not be too crappy if it's if been it's nominated. voted top for yeah. every category. You can do the best Wii, Wii U games. Now this is what you're talking about. Like, I play, uh, you know, the Wii. I know you guys have a Wii. Uh, so I'm always looking out for good Wii games. Mm -hmm. So, best Wii slash Wii U games would be, uh... Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm jumping over. Alright. Wii U. What's Wii U? The Wii U is a motion controlled, you know, similar to the Wii itself. Uh -huh. But it has, uh, I think, what is it, an 8-inch LCD, LCD... Oh, okay, we've type. talked about this yeah, before. It's, it's okay. the, Where yeah, it's the... Yeah. You know, you can change it from TV to controller. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, alright. I'm sorry, it didn't <laughs> click at first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, uh, the first one is, which is obviously doesn't surprise, the It doesn't surprise me. Super Mario Brothers U. So, if people... It looks are, really cool. <laughs> I love, I love Mario. Have it a try. Uh, number two is The Last Story. I've, I've never heard I've of never it. I've never heard of it either. What is it? The Last, the Last Story. Story. That's a Wii game, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a Wii game. Uh, I haven't heard of it. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicle or Chronicles. Um, I personally have seen a lot about this. It's sort of like Fantasy Star Universe. If anybody's familiar with that? Uh, it's an RPG, basically. Um, I I heard that it because there's not a lot of good RPGs for the Wii. Uh -huh. I mean, there's a few, but I've heard that that's one of the best RPGs that they've ever brought out for the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> In the fourth. And last one. Wait, uh, you forgot one. No. Oh no, you didn't. Okay, never mind. And the fourth, the last one is, which doesn't surprise me, but I wish it was a little bit higher up. Was Zombie U? Oh, they did a zombie one. Huh? Yeah. For the week, yeah, for the week. I would have liked to play that. <laughs> that looks fun. Okay, the next category is best PS3 games. Best PS3. Okay. Number one is Journey, which I'm surprised. Journey. Um. It's 
Is it really that good? Like, <laughs> I I haven't played it, but I've seen gameplay. Because most it. most of the the downloadable games aren't the best games. It's, Is that one because they don't want to invest in, in production? They just upload them online. And, save money that way probably this game is basically what it says it's a, it's a journey and it's like a psychedelic type thing I, I don't know if I'm explaining that right or not because I've never played it I've only seen things of it so number two is Assassin's Creed 3 of course doesn't surprise me <laughs> number three is Borderlands 2 mm-hmm. and number four is Dishonored I've been Dishonored before and I went, and yeah, I went and had a chance to put it in the okay? And I asked, I said, hey, you also have some tea? And she was like, who the hell are you? And I'm like, I am King Kardashian, bitch. I am famous. I am sexy. And, 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 and but, and, 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 Kim, go to sleep. You've been up partying for way too many days, drinking way too many martinis, and getting way too much Botox. Go the fuck to sleep. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Okay, and the last one is best PC. I'll use that. Uh, first, I would like to say, XCOM Enemy Unknown is the winner for best PC. It is top. Uh, to me, I I think it's a cool idea, cause it's it's one of those RTS games where you actually have control of the characters themselves. Um, I'm not really big of a PC gamer, but. I know a lot of people that play StarCraft would probably like this game, so. And number two is Diablo 3, which, <laughs> growing up, uh, when I used to go to my grandpa Mike's house, he'd always have Diablo on his computer, and I'd, I'd play it, and I'd be like, oh, this game's awesome! <laughs> you know, it, you know, when I'm young, like, eight, <laughs> playing Diablo, you, you're like, whoa, what is this? You know, I've never seen this before. Right. You know? Just getting that type of stuff, yeah. And your your mind is just blown because you know technology. Okay? Yeah. Um, it's a great franchise. I think they've done a lot with it. Uh, number three is Guild Wars Two, which I really, really want to try out <laughs> because of the artwork. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the artwork for Guild Wars, but it's like a, it's like sketch, comic type stuff. Okay. It's to me, I was like. And last but not least is Torchlight 2. I've never played it. I've never heard anything of it. So, with that being said, that is the best of 2012 pop culture stuff. Any last words? Um, actually, I'm looking at the timer. We're almost to the 10-second point of New Year's. But real fast, I wanted to say, doing this, this uh, episode has given me a new idea. The end of 2013, instead of doing the best of 2013... We are going to have a Jaisal Modcast Awards. We're going to sit down. We're going to post up. You know, this is going to be later in the year. Um, we're going to have like best podcaster, uh, funniest podcaster. Some you're going to instead of doing that, we're going to do the awards, and I think we'll uh, we'll do that the 2013 year. Sound good? Yeah, sounds, sounds good. good. Yeah. Okay, here we come. We're going to count down to, from ten. Ten. Nine. nine eight. eight. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy, Happy New Year! Year! All right, folks. What? You want to? Do, you, yeah, you can close. That's cool. Is it cool? Yeah. I guess.
All right, well, then I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. And I've had the death it, and remember that I'm sexy as hell, but there's no rivalry better than I'm having a rivalry. God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Good night, boys. <laughs> wow. Yay! There we go. It's so cool. Now I know how to run a review show. <laughs> and a mixing board. And a mixing board. <laughs> yeah, I think we're way off on this. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> Are you good? No. No. I'm just trying to get you to forget it. <laughs> Not going to happen. No. Dang it. Okay, let's jump to our next episode here. Talk this is, to our next episode. That's right. We're going to talk to our next episode. <laughs> In sign language. <laughs> this is what we think number nine. 100 shows later. Wow. Yes. What? July from 2013. This week, Dave celebrates his 100th podcast. Oh. Now, I'm going to read this in proper English. He and Sadie, <laughs> not him and Sadie. Oh, Dave. Get into the email brown bag special. Isn't that alcohol? Shh. Oh, sorry. 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 Uh, say goodbye to a great author, and then, and then, Sadie and Dave give a big applause to this week's helping hand. Afterwards, get into the way long, way too long discussion of Dave's sincere dislike for Justin Bieber and why he is such a douchebag. <laughs> as where Sadie comes to his defense. Apparently, Sadie <laughs> likes Justin. <sighs> Sadie, poor Sadie. Sadie, even uh, we don't like Bieber, and we're Canadian. Yeah. We like almost everything. Well. The Canadians have a very strong "you break it, you bought it" policy. That's true. You, they break it, they bought it. That's he's yours, true. Sadie. Yep. He's all yours. That's right. So <laughs> here we go. Seeing red. No, wait. Damn it! <laughs> what we think? Number nine. <laughs> it's my one hundredth podcast, and it's Monday night. So let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya, and I am. We have got a shit ton of stuff for you today, uh, but Bert, before we get started, how are you? I'm good, but I didn't realize that this is your 100th podcast. That's amazing. I don't how 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 I do. See you red yeah. every week. Yeah, who's the boss? Who's the boss every week? Right. Um, sheer darkness right. every week. And, of course, our show. Right. That's four shows a week. Yes. And we've been doing it since... When we started recording, officially we started recording in October. And it's July as of the time of the recording. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. Son of a gun. And I didn't realize this until I was updating our pages on the website. I don't know if you know this or not. But if you go to jazelmom.com and you go to cast... And say they go down to S. Sadie Burbank, it shows every single episode that you're in. Oh, yeah? Yes. Literally from when in Burbank 1 to now. And for me, I went through and I was putting it all together. I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot of podcasts. So I edited it, copied it, and put it over to my page to number it. Wow. And it was 99. So this is this our... This is number 100. And I hope, I'm, I hope I'm better as a podcaster at... 100 episodes later than I was in the first episode. Well, 
I would think, probably. I mean, we've got more listeners, right? Yes. So that must mean something's better. And it sounds good to me. I don't know. I, I, I can't be objective. And see, and it's, it's funny because I was originally going to do my Who's the Boss today. And that would have been my 100th show. But I felt William Burbank was our very first ever recorded podcast. That was number one. I, I felt it was only appropriate that... We'd be number 100. We'd be number 100. I'm, I'm very honored. Very honored. And it's not William Burbank now, but that's okay. It's still us. It's still us. We'll never die. We may change our name, but we'll still be here. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. And Thanks. and I think another thing is is that uh, I'm not I, I don't know if you remember but I was so terrified because I had like a little intro that I read from yeah, and then I remember first. you had like notes and shit yeah and well, uh, I get that though because it's it's you don't want to just stand there and go duh well here we are folks you know I mean you, you know you want to sound somewhat professional right but it's not necessarily something that you think is going to come to mind. Once you sit down and start talking, you know, it's not that you got like Mike shyness or anything like that. No, I, well, I was nervous too. Like it was, a, it was our first episode. I, was, see, I wasn't, I never get nervous with stuff like that. I don't, but then I didn't have the responsibility you did too. All I had to do was sit here and talk with you. You already had stuff in your head. You had to get the stuff in your head. Right. And I kind of know what that's like now because I'm trying to do that with another project we'll right. talk about at the end of time. So, yeah. And, and just yeah. just a little teaser, I am so excited for your new project. I am, too. I think it's going to be fun. And I, I think hope the, it is. I hope the listeners will like it, too. Yes. yes. But we're going to keep this one going also. This will be a new additional project. Like, we don't have enough stuff on our plate now as it is. Oh, there's always room for extra. Always room for jello. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get the show started. Every week we come in and we open up the show to what we call is the email brown bag special. This week we've got some really good email. Well, let me be honest. Um, I haven't read the emails. I've seen them, so I, I don't know what they, they are. They exist, therefore they're good. Yes. That's right. And I jumped on. Zoe was trying to watch... Uh, Meemaw. Yeah, Meemaw, which is Mickey Mouse. And I was trying to do everything, and I just didn't have time to read through them. Usually I read through That's them to okay. make sure that they're appropriate and they're not, you That's know... That's okay. If they're not, we'll just edit them out. That's so true. That's no big deal. So we're, we're literally flying on the seat of our pants on this one because we have no clue what any of... Because usually I always pre-read the emails. Right. I kind of have an idea. You sort of have something going on in your mind about how you're going to deal with them. But we have three emails, and we're going to read them. So here we go. Go with what we got. Okay, the first one says, Hey, guys, I'm really digging your new show. Thank you. Um, I think you guys are as funny as fuck. My question is about customer service episodes. I work in fast food here in the great white north. Do you guys think that the reason bad service is so common is because kids like me don't take the job seriously because we know once we're out of school and we're off to bigger and better things, or we'll be off to bigger and better things, and with the older people, they're just so bummed to be 40 and still working at McDonald's, <laughs> they just don't give a shit. I look forward to your thoughts. This is from Evan Smith, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
Canadian, eh? Hey, Evan. That, that's, uh, I envy you right now in the great white north on account of we're down here in the great brown desert. It's <laughs> hotter than Hector. Oh, Christ, it's hot. I know that they can't hear it. I mean, if you were listening to an unedited show, you could hear the fan rumbling in the background. Yeah, but they don't hear it, you know, when we do the editing. But I've literally got a fan going. I have the air conditioning. And, and I'm, sweating. yeah, I'm, I'm literally sweating well, right now. It's 100 fucking chill outside. That's crazy. You know, I mean, and yeah, I mean, we don't have the humidity that y'all have up there, but damn, it's hot. Anyhow. So the Great White North, is that what they call Canada? I, apparently, I, uh, I don't know for sure, because, well, the farthest north I've ever lived is actually Spokane, Washington, which is pretty far north. Right. But uh, we didn't call it when I was a kid then. Right. <laughs> so where is he from? He's from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Calgary is in Alberta, which is in Canada. So Alberta is a state. It's kind of like one of those Russian doll things. You know, you open it up and there's another doll. And right. That's kind of like Calgary. As I understand it, Calgary is like the city. Alberta is like the state. county. Oh, the county. Okay. State. Yeah. And then Canada is like the country. Right, right. <laughs> it's not like the country. It is the country. Aren't we... Aren't we brilliant? <laughs> I'm glad you came in for the geography lesson of today. Um, to answer your question, Evan, uh, I don't know. I think that customer service or bad or good customer service, I think a lot of it doesn't necessarily stem from your age as much as it does how much were you paying attention when your mom was telling you to behave and mind your manners and be polite to people. And uh, when your dad said things like, uh, respect your boss and give him a good day's work for a good day's pay and all right. that other stuff. And if you didn't have moms and dads to say those things to you, someone, somewhere along the line, had to have somehow or other pounded it into your head. And if not yours, at least the majority of the people who work in the fast food industry, I can't believe that all of them that work in fast food industry were motherless children. So somewhere along the line, they had to be getting input as far as how to how to relate to the public right you know you're in a service industry food service is just that well you know to be on the devil's uh, what is it devil's advocate, advocate I think if because I'm I'm approaching 40 and I I think that if I was in fast food at 40 I I'd be pretty shitty I mean to be honest with you <laughs> Well, that's what he says. He says a lot of the, the 40-year-olds are bummed because that's where they are. On the other hand, um, it beats standing in the street corner with a can and a sign. That's true. It's, it's, it's a job. It's a, it's a worthy job. It's a hard job. It's hard to work in the food industry. I know I've, I've been a waitress in the past. Long ago, and believe me, I never worked so damn hard in my life as I did as a waitress because you do your hustling constantly. Now, fast food's a little different, but the principle's the same. Uh, and so, if you if you approach your job with joy and respect, and uh, joy, I know that sounds kind of hard. However, you should be fucking glad you've got a job because there aren't all that many jobs for all the people looking especially kids right people don't want to hire kids because a they figure they're going to have to beat them senseless to get them to do their work 
and B, by the time they get them trained, they're going to be off to college or to get their girlfriend pregnant or whatever. Right. They're not going to work. So, um, you know, it's a big leap of faith for a, a, an employer to take on a kid. And so you should be darn glad you got it. Okay? And if you're glad you've got your job, however temporary it is in your mind, you owe your boss, yourself, and your customer respect. At least enough respect so that if they say they want a cheeseburger and fries, they don't get a corn dog and onion ring. Right. I mean, you know, there's there's a limit. And you know, as far as the old people's concerned, well, <laughs> what can I tell you? Maybe some of them are bummed because that's where they've wound up, but, you know. Well, nothing's forever. You can it's, always change anything. It's each person's responsibility to, you know, you got to find the happiness where it is. You know? I mean, I hate to be Pollyannic about the whole thing, but it's true. You know? Just get in there and, and put in your, what do you work, eight-hour shifts? Ten, maybe? What, uh, fast, fast food? food? What do they work? Eight-hour shifts? Six? Six maybe, to eight, maybe? Yeah, maybe they're lucky if they get eight-hour shifts, yeah. actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but, you know, what can I tell you? You, you just kind of have to knuckle down and say, this is what I've got for now, and I'm going to do the best damn job I can at it now, so that later when I get a better job, I'll be good at doing the best I can, because I will have practiced at my former job. Right. And I also want to throw out that my, much respect to you because you know what, regardless of where you work, it doesn't matter if you flip burgers, push a broom, you know, give uh, breathing tre- treatments. You're working, brother, right. and you're making right. money. You're making a living, and that to me, that's res- that's respect right the there. Goal, which is what they call welfare, and well, they call it that in BC or the United Kingdom. I suppose they call it that in Canada too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the reasons are, but I suspect that somewhere along the line, I may have hit on one or two of them. I think it was a good answer. Now, as you're talking, I, I was smiling, and, and you're kind of giving me a weird look, like why I'm smiling. I read the next email while you were talking, oh, uh-oh. and go ahead and, and okay. it's a very short one, but okay. I, I, I it took everything for me not to laugh. Okay, this is to Sadie. I heard you said you were 72. And you fucking rock. <laughs> I wish my grandma would do a podcast with me. Will you be my grandma? <laughs> in Bentonville, Arkansas. Sorry, I almost said Arizona. Floyd, I'll be here. You better believe it. God damn it. Yeah, I know. I know I'm unusual. I know that. See, you gotta, you got to understand, Floyd. I'm a product of the 60s. That is to say... I started growing up in the 60s. Right. Okay, and a lot of the stuff that I picked up then never left me. Like my favorite words are fucking shit. Um, not necessarily in that order. Um, and I like to think I'm young. People tell me I don't look my age, and I know I don't act my age, and I hope I never do because people that say act your age are, were born old as far as I'm concerned. And they don't have any fun. And I have more fun than any two people you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, you can be my grandbaby. I will have you be, I will have another grand person. That is awesome. I love yeah, that email. That is, that is so cool. <laughs> I wish my grandma would do a podcast with me. That's cool. Hey, Floyd, have you ever thought about asking her to? Hmm? Maybe she would. 
Um, if, and again, maybe you wouldn't want to. I don't know. I was going to say, go listen to Win and Burbank. Win and Burbank is a good kind of uh, model for, I think, something like that. Because yeah. that was what Win and Burbank was essentially it was about was me digging into your head and learning about the experiences that right. you, you know. And I, and I think that would be a good model if, if because anybody can do a podcast. Anybody. Oh, totally, yeah. You just gotta have a computer and the microphone and the willingness to do it. And, well, you've done an awful lot of work getting this put on the air and everything too. Right. It is involved. Oh, absolutely. But you don't have to run a network. You can just do one podcast show. But maybe. Maybe there's maybe this is uh, maybe this is a secret wish that has depth to it. You know, I'm always looking right. for stuff like that. Right, right. Maybe he just really wants to have a conversation with his grandma that is more mm, on his level and not so much on her, her level. And or maybe somewhere in between the two of them. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know because they'll know your grandma. But I'm glad to think I fucking rock because I tried. <laughs> Thank you. And the last one is... I love your show, and I always crack up when Dave does the intro. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. Because I always hear Sadie cracking up. Why do you crack up when he does the intro to the show? And this is from April. <laughs> monster person that does podcasts. Before that, he's like a daddy that's cleaning up the house and waiting for me to get here, and, and he's tired, and he worked hard the night before, and shit like that, and the baby's painted all over herself, and he <laughs> to it again, again, and he doesn't know how he's going to get it off, and all that shit. But when he slicks his hair back and puts a rubber band around his ponytail, and he sits back and he starts saying that, he gets this funny little look on his face, like... Scrinched all up. It's time to, you know, Monday night. It's time to find out what the fuck we think. And it's, it's funny to watch. I'm sorry, but that's kind of why I laugh. Because it's funny. I go from just being Dave to Entertainer Dave. Ah, oh, that could be it. Entertainer Dave. I don't know. Do I make a transition too? Oh, absolutely. Do I? What absolutely. Do I, what do I become? <sighs> You, yeah, she becomes Sadie. But, I mean, you make that transition, too. And and that's kind of funny because I never really thought about it. But, yeah, you do. You always laugh when when I, I do that. But it's... Well, it is funny. I don't know why I laugh. I guess... I guess... Uh, I think the growl has something to do with it. You know? I find that funny. I can't growl like that. I tried just now, and I, I couldn't pull it off. I, I'm not real sure. I don't think I noticed that I laugh, but I guess I do. Um, but yeah, you do. You make the transition because there's a lot more energy in our conversations when we're in front of the mics than when we're sitting back. We're just kind of like, you know, da 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 da. Well, that's because when we're sitting back, we're just going, "What the fuck are we doing tonight?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are we out, Why aren't we in the refrigerator where it's nice and cool? <laughs> why are we out here in the hot house? 
But yeah, I, I do get that. So yes, we do. And April, thank you for your comment and, and for listening and for enjoying us. I think it's I think it's so cool that people want to take the time and trouble to send us an email and let us know they're thinking about our show and that they're listening to our show. I think that's really cool because I gotta tell you, I've said it from the beginning. I don't get it. No. <laughs> but I'm glad you listen. I don't understand why you do, but I'm really, really glad you do. Absolutely. It's, um, I don't know. It, for me, I don't know. I just, I love it. It's, it's fun. It is fun. It's fun to do. I mean, we talk anyhow, whether we're podcasting or not. But we talk, I think we talk more on the podcast now than we used to because we caught on that if we spend too much time on the phone talking, we don't have anything to say on the podcast. So we keep it. To a bare, yeah, now, bare minimal. And, and so that works. So, <clears throat> and this actually comes from last week. And I don't know how I missed this because I am notorious. In fact, last episode, you read my zombie story. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about that. Mm-hmm. The, and this week, saying goodbye, I, I miss someone who is very, very influential. In fact, if you look right over there, I have his book. Oh, yeah. And his book is one of the things that started me in reading and writing zombie literature. And for this week's saying goodbye is the literary legend because well he, uh, to me he's a literary legend uh, he, it is Robert Matheson and Robert Matheson is the creator the writer, the author of books like Hell House and probably his most notable is um, I Am Legend with uh, as you know character um, you know originally in fact they made several versions of I Am Legend you know Omega Man with Charlton Heston in yes, the 70s? Yes. That is based off is of... Yes. Yes. Um, it says Richard Burton Matheson was born February 20, 1926 and passed away June 23, 2013. He was an American author and screenwriter primarily for fantasy horror, science fiction genre. He may be best known for the author of I Am Legend, a 1954 horror novel that has been adapted for the screen, although five more of his novels have been adopted to major motion pictures. The Shrinking Man, Hell House, what, yes, What Dreams May Come. I didn't know he did that. Me neither, to be honest with you. Bedtime Returns, and The Stir of Echoes. I didn't... I, I, that's a good movie, with with Kevin Bacon. It it was an older movie, but it was really good. Because I think I've seen just about everything he has ever done. I like him. He can be the most. He can be the sweetest guy, and he can be the most evil, sinister. He's like uh, another actor that I not like him, but I mean another actor that comes to mind that is capable of that is. Uh, Slater. Christian Slater? Uh, not Christian Slater. I don't mean that. Oh, crap. 
who, who, oh dear, I meant to cut this part out. Who did, um, Stargate? Who was the young doctor guy in Stargate? Richard Dean Anderson. No. No. No, that's, that was the, the main guy. He was also in Wolf. Did you see Wolf where um, Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer? Oh, this guy's name is on the tip of my fucking tongue. He was the young scientist? Is, maybe it is Christian Slater. Is his name Christian? I'm thinking of that other guy is Christian Slater. Who the hell am I thinking of? James, James Slater. That's what I'm talking about. Primary. He is also really, really good at being sneakily evil, as was evidenced in his performance in Wolf with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. I love that movie. I watch it all the time. Well, not all the time, but I frequently watch it because it's frequently on. Uh, but he's he's also really good at that. But um, now, we're talking about author. It's okay, Richard Matheson, one of the biggest names that was directly inspired by Richard Matheson. After reading the book, he decided that he was going to make this movie, and he became a legend himself. And that is George A. Romero. Movies. George A. Romero is the zombie king. He ah. he made Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, ah. Day of the Dead, you know, all of, of all the, the Dead. Difference. Yes. Yeah. And and reading that book is what inspired him to be become not well, he was going to become a movie maker anyway, but that inspired him to make movies about zombies. He felt the draw to the dark. Yes. Yeah. Which in turn is one of my favorite directors, and one, you know I have all the zombie movies. I know you do. Yeah. And leading from that connection, finding out that that was George A. Romero's inspiration, I bought the book. Well, actually, Terry Shearer bought the book for me. It was for my birthday, and he bought the book, and and I read it. And so, in a very long and drawn out process, uh, Richard Matheson is an inspiration to what I write. So he's gone, so you have to carry on. Yes. So for Richard Matheson, we say goodbye. We do indeed. And thank you. We're going to jump into something fun. Uh, Another segment we do every single week. Uh, Usually we leave this towards the end, but I really want to get your perspective on it. It's this week's Geek News. And this week's Geek News comes from the Superman movie. The new Man of Steel movie. There was a thing going around the internet saying that Zack Snyder, who is the director of the new Man of Steel, to an homage of Christopher Reeves, actually uh, has CGI Christopher Reeves in one shot of the movie. Just, a, a, again, a, an homage. And everybody has been talking about this this week. And I got a hold of a copy I watched it, and I watched it, and I watched it, and and then I finally said, and then there is a split second. Okay, here we go. So this is the Henry, this is Henry Cavalier, I think is his name. He's the, the guy who plays Superman this time around. Oh, okay. And he's getting ready to take, He's it's that moment where he's about to take off for the first time to fly. Right. Now watch. Watch and see. Okay, here we go. Okay. 
Yeah. Did you see it? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Did you see it? Don't fucking blink. Yeah, I saw it, but damn, if you didn't know, you would never know. You know? But I thought that was kind of a neat thing to to have, just a, a split second, this it kind was, of... It was. And there's the single caption shot. Yeah. And because it... And there's the actual caption of Christopher Reeves. And what it is, is because it's a one-frame... Yeah, it's fast. You know, so it's it's Has literally. Have ever noticed it? Yeah, it's all over the internet right now. That's why. That's yeah, what. Brought, I mean, is it all over the internet because they noticed it? Or yes. Because they heard about it and then noticed it. Um, I don't know who actually came up with it originally. Yeah. Obviously, somebody found it and then it yeah. it went viral. So I I thought that would be kind of something I fun. That's cool. Is is that what you want to film? My opinion. Yes. Yes, I think it's cool that he did that. I, you know, um, because and, I think a lot of us do think of him as Superman, you know. Right, despite. Days. Right, I was going to say, despite what's going on with him right now. Well, or no. There's nothing now. But I mean, he's gone. But um, in spite of what he had to face after his Superman days, we still think of him as Superman. I still think of him as Superman. It's like I still think of Sean Connery as 007, even though I like all the other, well, almost all the other 007s. You know, Sean Connery is still my man. <laughs> and also, and this usually we have one piece, but this is enough nerdism just to put in a second story. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Billionaire. George Lucas, uh-huh. and we have to say something good because I still feel guilty about the whole oh, 2012 thing. And if you don't understand what we're talking about with George Lucas 2012, go listen to Winnenberg. Um, Do you know which one it's in? It's in the earlier ones. It's yeah. between, I would say, between episode two and four. Um, there was one. <laughs> well, no, two, three, or four. Oh, oh, oh. It's, it's in it. But... Um, George Lucas, and this is from the Washington Post, and it says, the title, it says, May the force be with them. George Lucas marries Melody Hobson. That was my best Jedi voice, by the way. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. I know it probably sounded like I was constipated, but... It says, Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. Jedi Master Mace Windu, and if you didn't get that voice, that's why I used that voice. He said it best when he tweeted over the weekend, let's give a galactic shout-out to Master George Lucas and his bride, Melody, on their wedding day. The Star Wars mastermind and his bride, Melody Hobson, tied the knot at Skywalker Ranch in Martin County, California, on Saturday in an intimate ceremony. The Huffington Post reported that the wedding was officiated by journalist Bill Moyer, which I really felt interested. I don't know if you know who he is. Who was a Baptist minister before uh, his illustrious career in media. Media. It only takes one person to have, have met the love of their life, Moyer 
told the couple. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazamon.com. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she's very pretty. No, I believe that in. That was good. Steven Spielberg, Lucas's longtime friend and colleague, colleague, 
collaborator, I don't know where that even came from, gave the, gave the toast from the groom side. Hobson's fellow executive at Aerial Investments spoke on behalf of the bride. Director Francis Ford Coppola read a poem by Maya... Maya. Uh, Ma so congratulations to the couple. Best wishes. Yes. And you're supposed to say congratulations to the groom and best wishes to the bride. Or, 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 may the force be with you. And he even did the little. No, no, man, that's not. No, that's Star Trek. That's 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 what's his face. Spock, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Because. Spock's probably impressed. It would have been had he been able to say, look, I can do that, too. That's not easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the Spock salute in case you haven't picked up on that. And what that has to do with George Lucas' wedding is... So that was the geek news? That was this week's geek news. Okay. Now let's get into the helping hand. Every week, and, and I've said this several times... We look at the news, and there's always something negative. So every week I go and I try to find something positive. And if I can find a celebrity that does something good, we call that the helping hand. This week's helping hand is Johnny Depp. Yay! I like Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp has actually been promoting his new movie, The Lone Ranger, because he's Tonto. Yeah, I know, and I really want that to do well, but... Despicable Me 2 is just lambasting it. Yes. I'm sure it's great. It's just... Yeah. There's more money in the hands of four-year-olds than there is in the hands of 40-year-olds. True. That is very true. But so he's been around. He's actually been traveling, promoting his new movie, The Lone Ranger. And he told TMZ that he's been carrying his Captain Jack Sparrow costume. Wherever he goes... He carries the costume with him. Oh, yeah. And once he gets to the particular city, after he does his press release, he finds a children's hospital, dresses up no, as not. Captain no, Jack Sparrow, no, and goes and spends two to three hours oh, so cool. every time he goes somewhere. That is so awesome. He said, I'd love to see him in costume yes. myself. He said that he enjoys it because he can he can physically feel the spirits of children, sick children being uplifted. Oh, yeah. And plus it's good for him as an actor because it, it makes him kind of improv what he's gonna do, what he's gonna say. Because it's it's something different every time. Oh that is awesome. Oh that's so neat. I'm really, really glad to hear he does that. Good 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 on ya, Johnny. That's that's a cool thing to do. Okay, let's get to this. This is gonna be fun. Um have, have I even ever... I know we've, we've probably spent hours talking about the Cardassians. But have I ever explored my... I think hatred would be kind of a, a weak term for this gentleman. Um, I don't like him. Lack of respect. Yes. And... What he did this week is, is kind of top, you know, tops the charts, and that's why he makes this week's headline. This week's headline is Canadian cocksucker Justin Bieber. <laughs> and he is a talent 
talentless twit who well here here we go I know it's because he just stood up and all the girls went oh! well he has no talent well you think those women care uh, get real you think that those girls I should say have any interest in this talent I'm glad you said that because that's part of the topic oh good I'm so, well, I'm so sick wait tonight okay uh, the first because this is a two parter Okay. The first part says Justin Bieber banned from Los Angeles. Bieber. 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 Not Bieber. No, with a B. Oh, Burr. I thought you said Bieber. I'm sorry. Um, I paper in front of your face. I couldn't see your mouth. Justin Bieber banned from Las Vegas Indoor Skydiving Palace. <laughs> I didn't know they had an indoor skydiving <laughs> palace in Las Vegas. Yes. Damn. Don't take me there. <laughs> the manager said... Bieber and six of his entourage posse wanted to come in and enjoy the skydiving palace. Um, of course, the manager said, okay, come on in. Him, his posse, his new girlfriend, they, they spent you know, a couple hours. He dumped little what's-her-face? Yeah. Oh, man, she's so cute. Oh, it gets better. She probably hasn't got a brain in her head, but she's really adorable. <laughs> so they spent... I shouldn't say she they spend a, a good amount of time. Very smart. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, they spent, I think, like two hours. <laughs> Selena, yes, <laughs> Selena Gomez. Yes. Yes, she got dumped. Oh, damn. Um, For what? Oh, it's coming. Oh, all right. It's coming. It better be good, because she's... Oh. my life. I actually want to jump right to that, but we need to cover this first. Oh. It's a build-up. Okay, all right. I'm so... <laughs> The manager said, after the two or three hours of them skydiving indoors, mm-hmm. he said, it'll be $1,600. Mm-hmm. Or, if you go and take a self-pick and Instagram it and say, I'm at the Las Vegas Skydiving Palace, mm-hmm. it's free. Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber mm-hmm. said, okay, I'll, I'll go up there and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. take a picture. Mm-hmm. Well... He goes back up, he, and he pulls out his phone, mm-hmm. and he comes out, and he's like, okay, I sent it on Instagram. And he's like, okay, cool. And they're, you know, obviously ungearing him. So the manager went to Instagram, Justin Bieber's Instagram, to see what the picture looked like. There was no picture. Of shock and surprise. Justin Bieber, who is a multimillionaire, yes. lied that he took a picture and he refused to pay the $1,600, and they just left. Him and his crew just left. So because of that, yes, we are. But because of that, the owner has stepped in and said he doesn't care that Justin Bieber is rich and famous. He is banned for life. He can never go back there. Sounds good to me. I think that's appropriate. Anybody else would be as well. Um, And though, from what I understand, he wasn't really doing a lot of the skydiving. It was his posse that was doing most of the skydiving. He was reported to be in the corner with his new girlfriend. Uh, Her name is Jordan Osuna. Um, They were, of course, essentially getting it on in the corner. 
Um, and from no, they were. And from research, uh, Miss Osuna is a waitress at Hooters. And she, yes, uh, from what I understand, she was going at it. In fact, I actually have a picture. Let's see if I can find. Yes, let's see if I can find this here. Does she who? Is that her? That is. Oh, she's got the hooters, that's for sure. Oh, she's pat. That's not her tongue. That's her. No, that that's. They call that the duck face. Because it's showing. Well, she's kissing. Yeah, she's kissing. It's like you know, ducks. Ducks kiss. No, it. it you know how like the ducks when they the ducks when it comes out yeah. and at the end it splits or, you yeah, know they go, yeah. that's oh I gotcha yeah it does do that okay all right that's it huh? <clears throat> yes that's tits and she can make her mouth well you know with tits you don't need much else right plus she she's not ugly she's pretty she has a pretty face nice long hair okay but here comes the good okay, here, here comes the good part the manager said that everybody appeared. Who be happy and enjoy themselves. Everybody had a yeah. Everybody was just happy except Jordan's husband. Oh fuck! Jordan's husband, who is currently overseas fighting. No. For our freedom. Yes. No. Yes. Now did Justin know that? Oh. Oh, I'm sure he did. Well, we maybe shouldn't assume he did, but it's damn good chance that he did. I'll be. Oh man, that sucks. I'll be more than happy to to say, I I think he does, and so. So now does he know? Oh, I'm sure he knows now, because there's there's lots of pictures, you know, out and about, um, you know, with them too. Wait a minute, my husband used to tell me after that movie came out, uh, where the millionaire wanted to pay a guy, wanted his wife, wanted to pay her. Indecent proposal. Yeah. My husband always said, if I could find anybody that was dumb enough to pay me a million dollars to buy, he'd say, go ahead and do it, because we could use a million bucks. And, you know, it's just fuck, right? But I, I, I'm pretty sure that Justin would not prepare a million bucks. No, no. But then they weren't really, well, maybe they weren't. Did they fucking in the air? How can you do that in a, in a skydiving thing? No, they were, they were in it. I mean, he, Right, okay. they were, okay. they were, okay. from okay. what I understand, just, right, you know. um, again, the reports say that he went in, and he did it for a couple minutes, and him and his girlfriend got out, and they went to, you know, and like I said, the rest okay. of his posse okay. kept in there. On the other hand, sir, who, whoever you may be, you probably better off with that or Mr. Osuna. Mr. Osuna, unless she can take his name. Which she may have done. In any case, whoever this man is, <coughs> honey, there are better ladies in the world. And you're probably a good man. You know, I'm pretty sure you'll find one. Because just because he made bad choice the first time, there's no excuse to give up. Right. Get in there and keep punching. That sucks, though. That's just not right on so many levels. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not going to stand here and say, and that's why I say Justin Bieber's the talent. When you're married, and shit, 
shit like that because God knows I'm not the most pure person in the world. I have my promiscuous moments as well. However, I think there's a line there that she's crossed. Right. With the husband in the service, in the field, at the same time. I'm sorry, I hate to be judgmental. That's just not right. It's not right. And and the beaver, whether he knew or not, we don't know. Right. We don't know for certain that he knew. I mean, he, you know, if they're in Vegas, he could have just picked her up. He could have just met her. He could have been to Hooters. In fact, most likely he did go to Hooters. I mean, he's the kind of guy that would go to Hooters, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, dear, now I've done it. Because now all the other guys that are not like Justin Bieber are going to be pissed. Sorry. He is a kind of a guy who might like to go to somebody like that. You know what? I, as a guy, I can I say... I'm not be PC. I'm trying really hard to be PC. But it's oh. not as a guy, you don't go to Hooters for the hamburgers and french fries. Well, this is true. I mean, if you did, you'd go to the peppermill because they have much better hamburgers <laughs> and french fries. Uh, and possibly even better Hooters. I don't know. I'm not being a Hooter hunter. I can't say for <laughs> sure. But, um, yeah, there had to be some other motive. Howsoever, it's possible. You know, devil's advocate here. It's possible that he just went to Hooters looking for Hooters. Right. Found hers and liked them. Okay. And, you know, how one thing can lead to another. I mean, let's face it, he is who he is. Right. She had to know that, you know. Oh, yeah. He's making the, the look, and she's making the look. You think he's going to say, excuse me, <clears throat> would you fill out this form, please, that says you're free and available? Right. Fuck no. He's going to be grabbing her, and they're going to be doing their thing. So if she had no scruples, which obviously, obviously she hasn't, okay, then... She could have done the come on to him as well as him to her. Right. Pardon me. And the whole thing could have taken place at which point there's no way that she's going to say, excuse me, Justin Bieber. You know, everybody in the world fucking knows who you are, Justin Bieber. But I'm married and my husband's in the service, you know. Right. She's not going to go there. She's going to go with him and do her thing. So in fairness to him, it is possible possible. He didn't know. I'm just saying it's possible, but he didn't know. He can't be ruled out. It cannot be ruled out. And until the man tells us that he didn't know or did know, we don't know. And even if he says he didn't, if he says he didn't know, I'm not going to believe him. <laughs> but if he said he did know, I'd believe him. You know, right. he ain't going to say that. But, no, right. I don't know. You get my point. Right. My point. Uh, okay, and here's a question, and, and we're going into the third story of Justin Bieber oh, here. There's more. Um, are you familiar with the whole story of him being in Germany with his monkey? With... Excuse me? Okay, I'm glad you said that because it's it's too funny not to tell the whole story. I was hoping you didn't know. Okay, Justin Bieber uh, was on world tour and he was killing a monkey. He, he decided that he wanted to tap his inner Michael Jackson and he had a monkey. He was taking the monkey with him. And when he got to Germany, they're like, I'm sorry, but you, you can't take the, the monkey with you. 
No country's going to let him bring any animal right. in without quarantine. Right. Can't, you can't even take a fucking poodle into another country without quarantining it, let alone a monkey. So Justin's like, okay, well, you know, we'll leave the monkey here, and then on my way back to the uh, the states or Canada, wherever you know, he lives, um, you know, he'll go and he'll pick up the monkey. And he goes, you know, I'm here for how many ever nights stay for the show, and then I'll be back. Well, say that happened on a Monday, and then the following Monday they realized, well, fuck, he hasn't shown, he hasn't shown up yet. So they they start trying to contact him to come pick up his monkey. I love it. <laughs> and this has been like almost a, uh, a like a month, month and a half, you know, thing. And the the airport security uh, actually filed a statement, a press release statement, saying that. The monkey is now property of the German government, and he will be and he will be placed in a petting zoo on a, a much more happier note. Because Justin Bieber is a douchebag, he was seen with a new monkey at the Las Vegas. No, I'm very, I'm very serious. What do you go? monkey in Germany. Oh, well, I'll just get another one. Exactly what happened. like when you run over somebody's kid, you know, and it's somebody that's got 14 on welfare as it is, and they go, oh, that's okay, I can make another one. Yes. Yeah, like that. I got it. So, but yes, he was... Justin Bieber's monkey's out of the penny suit. Oh! Can we actually get another monkey? Yeah, he went and got another monkey. So, <laughs> well, a lot of, huh? I was, was going to say, but a lot of Germans can go and, and put and pet Justin Bieber's monkey. <laughs> okay. It is a, it is all of it is a true story. <laughs> there is one more Justin Bieber story. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I think for this episode we're gonna call it Bieber Banger. Bieber Banger. And here I said we shouldn't we shouldn't do any bashing on anybody. But here we are bashing away. Okay. It's it's Justin Bieber. It's just you and me bashing. Right. He did. Tell there. Yeah. Okay. So. And if you act like a douchebag, you're gonna get bashed. Looks like a douchebag. Wax like a douchebag. You're a douchebag. Okay. Okay, so this is the last story of the night. Oh, okay. That's not just yeah. Well, maybe even all together. Maybe all together. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Justin has... <laughs> Justin has a house in California, obviously, you know, Hollywood Hills. And he has received several complaints from different 
neighbors saying that in the middle of the night he's taking his uh, expensive sports car and racing it down the street. Now this is a pedestrian street. Well, it's a street where they make pedestrian. Well, it is a. It's a. I've read the article. They called it a pedestrian street. Well, how the fuck can it be? A, that's a sidewalk. How can it be a pedestrian street? I don't know. I didn't write the article. Well, anyway, all right, go ahead. <clears throat> so, uh, several complaints about him. Maybe it's not a street. Maybe it's a wide walk or something. I mean, that, you know, there's got to be something there. Okay, so let's just go straight to where I found this article. Okay. It is from the... Uh, what is it? Daily DailyMail.co.uk. Okay, and the headline says Justin runs like a little scared child. Strapping NFL hero Kishan Johnson confronts Beaver over reckless driving. You couldn't make that make it up. It's been alleged that Justin Bieber, 19, was back in his old or back to his old tricks on Monday night, causing ruckus in his exclusive gated complex by driving his Ferrari at a startling speed. But the twist in this tale is that the five foot seven star is said to have been spotted and then pursued by six foot four former NFL star Keyshawn Johnson, 40, who was understandably angry about the dangerous behavior. Brilliantly, the father of Ford, no doubt more comfortable in his own skin than the skinny youth, was driving a modest, eco-friendly Prius when he gave chase, according to TMZ. Beaver ran away like a scared little child, eyewitnesses told the website. A representative of the former Super Bowl champion told ABC News that Johnson gave up, or not gave, gathered up his children playing outside his house when he heard what sounded like a race car screeching past. Johnson, who has four children, Kishan Jr., Mia, London, and Vince, then got into the Prius and followed Bieber, Bieber's white Ferrari to the singer's house. When he got there, he knocked on Bieber's car window, but the singer refused to get out, according to Johnson's representative. The report continued. Bieber's security person personnel then tried to block Johnson, who finally grabbed Bieber and confronted him about his driving. But Bieber told Johnson that he was not the one behind the wheel, his spokesperson added. <laughs> Another NFL alumni, Eric Dickinson, backed up his fellow sportsmen on in Twitter. I live in Calabasas too. And Justin Bieber needs to slow his sh- uh, slow his ass down. Okay. He also told TMZ when seen Justin driving fast around Calabasas before in his Ferrari. It's just not safe. Dickerson added, I don't blame Kashan, he's got kids. I don't blame him for trying to get Justin's attention. I would have been the same way. When you're a father, it takes on a whole new meaning. Plus, we got that football mentality. 
Why didn't he just call the cops and report him? Oh, previous to that, he had. He had oh, okay. TMZ are reporting that Beaver is under police investigation for the incident, which is alleged to have taken place at 8 p.m. on Monday night. L.A. County Sheriff Spokesman Stephen Whitemore told the website that they received two separate calls in different locations in Calabasas community. Johnson remained very, very, very livid about the incident on Tuesday, said the agent. Kishan is taking the situation very seriously, Stanley told TMZ. He wants Justin to slow down and be a responsible neighbor. Johnson was open to working with the ongoing investigation in Bieber's antics, Stanley said. Kishan, a law-abiding citizen, and he'll do whatever it takes to help authorities, he said. The uber-famous teenager has a history of reckless driving. Beaver allegedly drove reckless and then split on his neighbor and... Oh, spit, I'm sorry. And then spit on his neighbor and threatened to kill him. Whitmore told TMZ that the case will be presented to the Los Angeles County District Attorney. But Radar Online are reporting that it is actually Justin's friend, Taylor. Tyler, the creator, a.k.a. Tyler Gregory. Oh, who was behind? You can't see it sideways. Okanma. Who was behind the will? Oh, uh, well, maybe they resemble one another. Although that does look like a Japanese name. I could be wrong. Yeah, I kind of pick up on that, too. <clears throat> so the moral of the story, Justin Bieber's a douchebag. Don't live next door to him. Yes. <clears throat> um, Is he still a teenager? Yeah, he's 19. Oh, So he's full of himself. Well, you know, that's what too much money, too fast, will do to a kid that hasn't had time to be taught how to behave himself. This is true. I mean, he's been doing this since he was, what, how young? 16 or 17? Oh, I know. I think he was younger than that. Was he? Yeah, because I remember seeing him on uh, Ellen's show one time. He was little. I don't know. How long has he been doing this? How long has he been doing this? Google. How long has Justin Bieber been doing this? I think he was 11-ish, 12-ish, something like that. Maybe he just acts like that. I don't know. According to Answers.com, there's, believe it or not, a question that actually... Asked what we're asked. How long has Justin Bieber been famous? The answer? Justin Bieber's career started to really kick in in 2008. He started getting famous in 2008 when one of his YouTube videos caught the eye of a talent agent. So he was 14. So he's 14. Wow. Yeah, yeah he hasn't had time to grow up. Kids at the age of 14. They just found out where their dicks are. They don't have to <laughs> That's true. How to, how to be human. 
and you know, however much his mother may or may not have tried to instill some of the basics into him, uh, you know, she ran out of time when he hit the big time. That's so, true. You know, I'm pretty sure he stopped listening anyhow before that. They usually stop listening about the time they come to talk. Well. But, uh, When you don't have, you know, it's <laughs> when you when you don't have the wherewithal to be a human being, and you're thrust into that kind of spotlight with that much money and control. Right. You're gonna do whatever you want to do, and nobody's gonna tell you not to, because they're all making money off of you. That's true, they don't care. Everybody in his circle, as it were, is making something off of him. Oh, yeah. Money or position or whatever. Kid hasn't actually got probably a real friend, unless this Tyler O'Kuma is uh, one. And that's possible. I don't know. But I don't know nothing about him. I don't either. But I bet you... 50 cents that the kid doesn't have any true friends. Oh, yeah. And so, and he certainly isn't listening to anyone. I doubt that he's ever gone to anyone who he respects and said something like, how can I be a better person? You know, because he probably thinks he's got it all that he needs right now. He's And he's got a lot of money, but we all know that it takes more than money to get by. Unfortunately. Well, we don't all know it, actually, but he'll find out. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll find out what happens. Maybe not. Well, I hope that the listeners enjoyed this episode, because to me it was a very fast and fun episode. Um, And keep the emails coming, especially great emails. Yeah, really, those are... I mean, we had, within the last hour now, Sadie has another grandchild. You know, so it's... I do, yes. <laughs> Floyd, baby. Grandma's here, honey. I would bake you cookies, but it's too fucking hot here. It is. Okay? I'm not going to bake anybody cookies. And I love you like a grandson, but no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'll send you a cookie. All right. For this week, I am David K. Montoya. And I am this lady for me. So you heard what we think, and now you know. Until next week. Good night. Good night. <laughs> I can't stop. Dude, it's been two hours. I know. Rob's broken. <laughs> Rob's very broken. <sighs> yeah, Dave does not like Justin. No. We're not going to change the topic, are we? No. <laughs> Do you <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Keep calm and carry on or whatever the hell that is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> because that, I'm in Dave's boat. I am not a big Justin Bieber fan. I've never liked that little Muppet when he <sighs> when he first came out. No, no. And luckily, I had uh, trained my children enough to mm-hmm. like Metallica more than Bieber. So. Well, see, I do that with my son. I got one of those Justin Bieber dolls at the clearance aisle. Yep. And I hold it in front of him, and he says, that's cool, and I hit him with it. Ah. <laughs> so now he looks at Bieber and cringes. Flinch. Exactly. Then you hit him two for flinching? Yep. All Don't right. flinch. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
Do you know what we should do? What's that? No, nah, never mind. No, that's an off mic thing. Carry on. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there might see. be legality. Uh, yeah, and we never do off mic stuff on the mic. That would just be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. Our next episode: Who's the boss? Number twelve. Body bag. I just like saying it like that. Body bag. Get him a body bag. That's Come right. From the Karate, karate kid. kid. That's right. Yeah. Sweep the, the leg. leg. <laughs> you got Drink. a problem with that? Yeah. No. What you made? Oh. What you got? Chicken. Mm. Look at that. She made us chicken. eating the leftover chicken. She's eating all the chicken. Yeah. We should play this episode so we can go wrestle the chicken away from her. I think so. Yeah. You better get to a good spot. Uh, <laughs> a, after a large request from you, the listener's day finally sits down this week and tells the entire story of the 2006 body bag movie and how in the end of 08, it crumbled beneath him. So please enjoy Who's the Boss? Number 12, while we go get chicken. Come back yep. here! <laughs> Welcome to Who's the Boss? This is David K. Montoya. You know, folks, I, I this is actually recorded later than what's going to come out next week. Um, I, I received a lot of email, and I was really surprised about how many emails I got about this, um, asking about the body bag movie. Uh, I, I guess I've referenced it quite a few times, and I gave kind of a brief history on it here and there, but I guess I've never actually talked about the body bag movie. And because of the overwhelming response... I've decided that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk about the body bag movie. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to cover everything in an hour's time, but I'm definitely going to try to cover the entire history of what went down, um, starting with the very beginning to the very last end of it. And I'm going to try to do it in an hour. So here we go. If not, then maybe this will become a two-parter. We'll see what happens. Um, with body bag... I was actually brought on board by New Blood Films to co-write the movie. And this was in early part of 2000. I had met uh, who would later become a very good friend of mine for almost 13 years now, Alan Russo. Um, and we collaborated on a comic book, I believe. I think it was a comic book first. And then we... No, 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 no. I'm sorry. We actually... He was working on a new movie. And... He wanted to collaborate and, and because we had talked about writing and he was a writer, I was a writer, and we just we thought it'd be fun to collaborate. So we sat down in this, like I said, this is a very early part of the year 2000, and the initial idea was something that would be called Class of 2001 because he was looking at it at releasing, um, you know, the movie towards the beginning of 2001 a year later so what we did is we sat down and we we're like okay well this is what we're going to do this is going to be the protagonist um the main protagonist and then this will be the lead female and this will be the supporting protagonist and one of the three would be the killer and the original concept when we, when we went into it was it was supposed to be um, a, a trilogy. There were supposed to be three of them. Uh, but, you know, we started out. And what we did is, it's interesting enough, is Russo has this method of writing a story or telling a story. 
he literally has it blocked out. Okay, this is what you put in. This is what how you do it, blah, blah, blah. And so we, we went back and forth, and we did something called smash writing. And what would happen is, is I would write a scene or, or two or three, whatever, you know. Um, I'm much more long-winded than he is when it comes to writing, especially dialogue. He likes his dialogue, like, really hot and, and simple to the point, as where, you know, I could probably do, do like, a Kevin Smith movie and, and do a whole two-hour of just conversation. And we went back and forth and back and forth, and we, we followed the outline of what you know his his guide to making a good scary movie is or a horror movie and initially when we first started writing the, these guys were supposed to be in the last year of high school and as we're writing we're, we're coming up with the you know the story it's kind of you know fleshing itself out and I remember we were talking and we came up with a really great idea and what the idea was was to to point to all these you know these different three characters now just to kind of because I'll probably start using their names um, so let me explain these three characters the main three characters in the movie is Jason who is the lead protagonist um, he comes from a big city he moves to a uh, a small southern city. He's been there for a while. Um, you you find out that his mom has passed away. He lives with his stepdad. He's kind of a troublemaker, you know. Um, you know, trying to find his own identity. And his name is Jason. Then you have the lead female. Her name is Dawn. Now Dawn is also a, a person that has moved from a big city to this same small local town. It's just a small southern town. Um, and she, you're, you're trying to figure out who she is because she's she's very chameleon-like. Um, you know, she may act one way to one person then act the other way to another person and, and then she acts totally different to Jason who ends up becoming her love interest. So that's Dawn. And then the third final character um, though I, I say he's a supporting character, he's he's a very strong character in the movie. His name is Bruce, and he's the the lead detective of trying to figure out who is killing, making these you know who's doing the killings. So when we we started writing the script, we knew that one of these three characters was the main killer, but we decided it would be fun that we would literally purposely point fingers in the storytelling at these people. Um, and we knew kind of who the original, because it did change, um, you know, who the killer was. And then we'd go and we put all these wrong bits of information saying, okay, it was Bruce that was the killer. And then in the next scene, we would change it up and we'd say, okay, it's definitely, it's Don. Don's the killer. And then again in the final, or not the final scene, but then the next scene, you know, okay, it's Jason. Jason's the killer. And we did this all through the script, you know, so just to keep people guessing, because we were writing the information as if they were the killer. Even though we knew who the killer was, um, 
you know, we just we were putting wrong information in there just to keep the people guessing. And by the time we finished the script, um, I felt that it was a little too strong. Uh, there, there's some strong sexual orientation to it, and I felt that for the characters, the way that I wrote the characters, um, you know, I felt that they were more mature than like 17, 18 year old kids. So I convinced Russo to to change it to that they were in college. So now these these now they're more college kids. You know, they're more closer to maybe 20s than if they were 17, 18. And I think that would be more acceptable. And we took it out of a high school environment and we put it into a college environment. And as we were talking, he's like, well, that, that kind of defeats the purpose of the title because these people are supposed to graduate in 2001, you know, the, the high school class of 2001. He's like, well, let's change the title. So we sat down and we were writing all these different titles to uh, what they call the movie. And I remember in the background there was um, there was a TV on, and I I heard um, this rap song, and it it went something like you know don't mess with the don't mess with the the wolf pack or you might end up in a body bag. And I said, oh, what about body bag? And what we can do, instead of saying body bag one, body bag two, body bag three, you know, because it's supposed to be a trilogy, we'll just call the first one body bag one, plural, and or one single. Then the second one we'll call it body bagged with an ED, meaning plural two. And then the last one we'll call it body bags, multiple or three. And so we decided that we would call the movie Body Bag. And we we finished the script. I think it was at the beginning of May, I think. Or did we start shooting in May? I don't remember. It was, it was neither beginning of April or beginning of May is when we finished the script. And then like a month later, Russo started shooting. And it was nothing like, you know, what you, you probably think, you know, as far as like a a multi-million dollar Hollywood budget. You know, uh, this was in 2000 and we were still kids. You know, in 2000, I was 23. And I think Russo was like 20. He was really young, very smart, but really young. And we didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, I I invested in him and I've I've invested in, in some of his projects over the years. And uh, what he did is he had a, a video camera and he had people that he knew that were actors. And, and uh, you know, he put together a little movie, which was Body Bag. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was eh. you know, eh. what can you do with, you know, a few thousand dollar budget, really? Uh, it was good for what, it, what he could have done, you know? And um, so he went on and he made the movie he put it on videotape and I got my investment back and you know life went on um, you know I moved back to California because at the time we were living in Arkansas both of us and um, you know I, I got cut up with other things in my life I know that we were supposed to write two more movies in fact we did start writing the second the sequel 
but uh, it just kind of fell through, you know, because um, shortly after I got back to California, my wife got pregnant with our first son, and, uh, you know, Russo, pretty much the same thing. He he and his wife were expecting their first child, and, uh, you know, we just kind of, I mean, our friendship had always been there. We would talked on a constant, and that's kind of an interesting thing with Russo and I, because um, we could go and not talk to each other for long periods of time. But as soon as we talk to each other on the phone, um, you know, it's like we talk all the time. And that's the way it's always been. So anyway, though we're, we're talking to each other, um, we just decide that, you know, right now is not the best time to, to write a script for the second one. Um, you know, because with Russo shortly thereafter, you know, his, his kids, his kid was born and, and, uh, you know, things started getting rocky with him and, and, uh, you know, unfortunately a few years later it led to him getting divorced from his first wife and, and, uh, you know, with me, you know, I, I was, st I'm, I'm still with the same person that I've been with since high school and, um, you know, we were learning how to be parents and, and how to, rework life with you know an extra mouth to feed and uh, we just kind of went our separate ways I mean we did come back uh, a few years later and we we uh, well it's this isn't really part of the story but it's I guess it's necessary um, after we we wrote the, the the body bag script we decided to do a comic book called smash and we had done several issues of, of smash while we were there in, in arkansas and then like i said you know i moved back to california and so there really there was internet but it wasn't as readily available as you know i mean anybody can get online you i can get online any time of the day now because of smartphones anybody can but back then in the early part of 2000 that wasn't so and so the communication was more verbal you know telephone calls and stuff and um you know, so we actually stopped doing that, and then some some years later, as the we again, I, I we still had internet. I don't think he had internet at the time, so we were doing a lot of phone calls, a lot of um, actually mailing snail mail the script, and we wrote some more scripts for Body Bag, and um, after which uh, we we actually stopped talking. And there was no fight or anything like that. We just kind of got caught up in our own lives, and we stopped talking for about a year or so. And uh, when, what was it, <clears throat> 2006, uh, Russo called me, and he's like, Dude, you know, um, would you be interested in rewriting the script? I, I think I got a good backer. You know, I think we could really make this movie the way that we really wanted to make it back then. And I was like, okay, you know, let's let's do this. So I ended up rewriting the script. Now, I left a lot of stuff from the original script in there, and I just kind of expanded it, because I think the original movie was, was really a short movie. Um, this one was supposed to be at least, you know, a feature length, nothing more than like, or nothing less than 90 minutes. So I went in, and I... I uh, I went in and, and rewrote the script, and I, I added more detail and and kind of really fluffed the characters, because by this time, I was in my late 20s, and as a writer, 
um, you know, I, 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 the older you get, the better of a writer you get. Well, shit, the, the older you get, the better anything you get, you know. And um, so I rewrote the script and, and sent it back and forth to Russo. And he loved what I was doing. He loved some the comedic stuff that I was putting in there. And I, had, I finished the rewrite. Well, during this time, my company, Dark Myth Production Studios, was doing really, really well. And I know that Russo lost his backer and he was having some financial troubles. So I told Russo, I said, let me buy the script. Let me buy the rights. You're part of the rights. And we'll just go from there and I'll make the movie. You know, I'm here in California. I have more access to things than than what you are. I think he was out in Florida at the time. And he's like, okay, so I, I purchased the rights, the movie rights, and um, and started moving forward and making these this movie myself. And I continued to write the script, you know, uh, just continued to fluff it, you know, um, just make it a solid story. And once I finished that, then I went into casting. And the casting took a long time. Um, I kind of knew what I wanted to do as far as uh, who, well, not who, but the, the what they look like, the characters. You know, I had a, a good idea of what I was going to have them look like. So what I did was I started doing a little bit of pre-casting. Um, uh, the the original actress I knew from uh, working at uh, this hospital I worked at, and and to me it was uncanny because she looked very much like the character that I had in my head. So I casted her, and um, because I felt that I think screen time wise, I think Don had the most. I actually think she has more screen time than than Jason. I'm not 100 percent sure, but. I just felt it was very important to to cast a female lead to the movie before I cast anybody else. So I, I casted her, and from there, then I, I started working on trying to to get things together. You know, I, I my sister was in film school at the time, and. Uh, you know, on scene red, I, I've mentioned this a few times that you know about her being in film school, and I instantly called her, and I was like, you know, let's get this together. This is what's going on. I'm making this movie. I bought it from Russo. It's going to be a horror film. Originally, it was supposed to be a trilogy, but I think we can just put it together as a solid one single movie. And she was going to be my my assistant director or director of photography. And, you know, she was going to come out and when we start shooting and, and shoot the movie, you know, actually film the movie for me. So I had her and then a lot of people don't know this, but Terry Shearer and Creep Creeperson are, is a father and son. Terry's the father, Creep is the son. And, um, you know, Terry is my, one of my best friends. He's he to this day he's one of my best friends, and uh, you know I, I talked to Terry first about the idea of, of bringing his son on as producer because at the time um, 
Creep was making his own movies. I know he had just finished doing the Frankenstein movie. And, um, you know, I, I felt that he knew more about being a producer than what I did. So I got in contact with Creep and, and sent him the script. And we went back and forth over it. Um, and he agreed to be the producer. So I felt things was was in good and order. You know, I had my lead female. I had my director of photography. I had a producer. Um, I sent the script. And for many years, and, and I still do this today, even if it's a, a non-work project, if it's just something that I need looked over, I always send it to Terry Shear. Um, anything. Even if it's a letter, <laughs> you know, to whatever. You know, I, I, I send it to him, and he always edits everything I do. And, um, you know, I sent him the script, and he edited the script, and he liked it, and we were talking about it. And this is when Terry was here in California as well, which was fortunate for me because, um, you know, everybody was in a driving distance, other than my sister who was, you know, in film school. But she was saying that she was going to come down and, uh, you know, film when we started filming. So we went back and forth, back and forth. And, and, uh, as I started to flesh out the story more, I started to see Terry as the character, Bruce. And I asked Terry, I was like, Terry, what do you think about playing the character, Bruce? Um, you know, because at the time Terry was in, in his mid fifties and, um, you know, short, stocky. And I, I, he was just, he would have been perfect for it. And he's, he was all aboard. He was very excited. And, um, you know, during this time, his cancer was in remission. So, you know, he was feeling pretty good physically and he was, he was all on board. So, you know, I, I had two of the three main characters casted. I was very happy about that. And, uh, so at this point I had, the script was ready. I had two of the three characters casted. I had my producer, I had my director of photography. So the next step in things was putting together the shoot schedule and trying to figure out how much this was going to cost. So what I decided to do was I put together this shoot schedule and I, I did it by location. Now a lot of different directors do it different ways, um, you know, by the characters. You know, is this character you know, in this scene, we'll shoot, you know, this scene with this character so many times, but I decided to go with the, the locations. So I broke it down to locations. How many times are we going to shoot in this location? And that's how I put together the schedule. So for example, you know, we had a, a scene in the woods. We we're going to shoot in this scene, but if there's multiple scenes in this wood throughout the movie, I was going to shoot all those scenes while we were there in the woods. And then of course, when it came back to editing it down, I would just edit it, put it, put each scene in its appropriate location. To me, it, it just made more sense. And, um, then after I, I got the scene locations, um, I went and started doing like, we did a catering and we, we literally, we had like a whole catering session of, okay, this is what we're going to have for breakfast. This is what we're having for lunch. This is what we're having for dinner. And I did all that. And I, I tried to be very thorough 
about everything because I know, for example, like Terry Shear, he's a vegetarian. So I needed to offer something more than, well, best example was for like lunch. You know, lunch we were going to have like Subway sandwiches. So I needed to, to provide, um, you know, a vegetarian sandwich without no meat. You know, because now that I'm thinking about it, not only was Terry a vegetarian at the time, my sister, well, Terry's still a vegetarian to this day, but my sister was a vegetarian during that time. She's actually not so much anymore. And um, so I, I had literally even, I, I worked it down to a fine detail, all the way down to the catering service. Uh, this is what time, you know, the days would shoot. We were looking at 12-hour days. It wasn't going to be something easy. I knew it wasn't going to be something easy, but I, I was hoping it was going to be more fun than anything. And um, so from that point, I had the whole package together, which was nice because now I, I just had everything together. And so I decided that, well, let's see how much this was going to cost me. And I broke it down. And, and during like 2006, 2007, I think it was going to cost me like ten to $15,000. And I decided that I was going to raise the money myself. And at the time, I was working at a hospital. And, and I've mentioned this before, you know, and in all the podcasts that I've done so far. You know, I still work at a hospital, but it was a different hospital. And I only work two days a week at this hospital that I'm at now. But prior to that, I was actually working at a, another hospital, and I was working 10 to 13 days every two weeks. So pretty much what I was working, I would work like five on, two, two off, five on, two off. And people were like, well, that's not too bad. Um, but they were 12 and a half hour shifts. So over the course of time, to make that part, you know, a very long story, I can break this down and say that, you know, working every single day for I don't know how many months I ended up raising the money to to shoot the film I had the money and during that process once I had money in hand you know um, it was very easy to to get like credit cards I have very good credit so I was you know getting credit cards and whatnot and, and that was kind of adding to the the financing as well so I started buying the props and the camera and, and stuff like that. And as I was doing that, then I shifted gears and went into casting. Now, what I did with casting is I took the entire script and I just started cutting the characters' names out. You know, every time a person had a dialogue, I just added it onto the list. And, oh my God, there was like 40-something people, I think, on that list. And I, I was like, wow, you know, because I have to cast, you know, 40-something people. So I spent the next, like, three months casting and, uh, you know, found a lot of them were, like, extra roles with very minimal dialogue, if there is any dialogue at all. And um, that, like I said, that took about three months. And then finally, as the... Well, as things were going on, and this was before I I ended up um, casting the the person that would play Jason, um, the person I initially casted to play Don uh, wound up getting pregnant, 
And she's like, well, you know, I, I won't be able to shoot because, but, uh, you know, to the role, because we were supposed to start shooting, I think, in September of 2007, 2008. And she, she would have. She would have been either A, close to giving labor, or she would have been too far along in her pregnancy, you know, to, to do that role. So she dropped out. And um, I kind of went with who I knew could act, you know, who, who had done like stage acting and shit like that. And I went with a, a friend that, um, I knew she had done some acting and dancing and stuff. And I was like, okay, well let's, let's try her. And, and she was for it. I gave her the script and she read the script. She said she liked it. And, um, so she signed on as Dawn. Well, originally, with Jason, I was thinking Jason as this clean-cut, you know, all-American white kid. But I just, I felt at the time, and I was being, being very indie, you know, very film-oriented about things, trying to think outside the box. And I just, I felt that um, I wanted a different type of protagonist. And so I, I found this one gentleman um, in... And to this day, you know, we had talked about it, and he was, you know, interested in, in playing the role. And if we were to ever come back and, and decide to do this movie ever, he would still be interested. Um, and uh, we went, and I I uh, called the guy that was going to play his best friend, Dick, Um and we met at the Starbucks, and we had a read-through, and I, I, I liked it. I, it was just, it worked. Um, he was Puerto Rican and, and very well in shape, and, and I was trying to see it in my head with, you know, the character, uh, the, the, the lady that played Don and him, you know, physically together, you know, would it match, and, and it just worked. So I casted him as the, the main character, Jason. So at this point... Literally, everything was ready. Everything was set in stone. And now all we had just wait for September to roll in. And what had happened was, is the reason why we, we decided to wait for September to come in is that um, September here where we live, it gets very gloomy. And I wanted the movie to to be gloomy because it was a, a horror film. And uh, while it wasn't necessarily a traditional like B horror seventy style, I, I kind of wanted to make an ode to it. And um, it was it was my take on the seventies horror films, maybe closer to eighties. I don't know. But uh, instead of having to spend the money on like you know, backdrops and, spe and and lighting and, and special effects to make it like this time of the year. I was like, well, hell, let's just wait for this time of the year to roll around and we'll shoot and it'll be perfect, you know, and, and we won't have to worry about it being, you know, foggy or gloomy. It would just be that way naturally. So I think that was probably my biggest mistake. I think that we just should have started shooting, and I, I think this was like June or July when everything was finally finished, and um, it was, 
When was it? I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was probably like July. And we should have just started shooting then. Once everything was in, in the caps, you know, in the crosshairs rather, we just should have started going and, and shooting and making the movie right then. Um, unfortunately, I decided to wait a few months to start shooting. Um, just A, so I could fine-tune the script a little bit more. B, you know, make sure that everybody was on board. Everybody understood their lines. Uh, you know, we were going to start the rehearsals and, you know, and go from there. And that, like I said, I think was my biggest mistake because uh, from that point, once I had everything together and now we were just waiting for time, it just started falling apart. And what initially happened was, um, what was the first thing? Let me see. The first thing is, is towards the end of this, the, the script, there's a nightmare sequence with a, a doctor and a nurse. And um, a good friend of mine, Ahmed, he was going to play the doctor. And a nurse that I knew, an actual RN nurse, was going to play the nurse. And uh, so I, I casted them and, and you know, <clears throat> towards while this is while we were waiting, you know, trying to get everything together and start the uh, the rehearsals. Um, I gave everybody the casting list. Okay, these are the people that are going to be these people. Well, unfortunately, I didn't realize that he, <laughs> he actually had a, a relationship with this nurse that ended horribly. I never knew. And um, he's like, well... I'm, I'm not going to do this scene if she's the nurse. And I, I didn't really want to change the nurse because she she just has this natural look that would have fit in a nightmare. And um, I didn't want to change it. So I was like, okay, you know what? I've got time. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write you a, a specific role. And so I created the, the dean of the, the college and it was completely with Ahmed in, in mind. And I, I wrote him really dastardly because he said, I want to be a dastardly character. So I said, like, okay, that's cool. You know, those, those are always fun to write. So I um, I went and wrote him his own kind of scene. And then I, I tried to go out and, and recast for the doctor um, I can't remember who I recasted as a doctor off the top of my head, but I did. And, um, you know, and, and made Ahmed the, the dean. Well, at this point, um, we were start getting ready to start rehearsals. And I remember coming back to Ahmed and, and he told me, you know what, dude, I just, I can't do the movie. I can't just can't do the movie. And I was like, fuck, man. You know, okay, well, you know, I just wrote this, all these scenes for you specifically, so now I've got to go and recast. So um, I went and, and, and found this, this guy. He's a, a friend of mine, kind of a new friend, um, and his name was Ron. He was a few years older than me. Um, I was in my late 20s. He was probably in his mid-30s. He's probably about my age now um 
and I I casted him. You know, I told him I said, "Do you, do you mind being this like greasy, dirty character?" And he's like, "No, that's cool," you know. And so I casted him. And as we were doing things, I, I went back in and changed it because I, I made some scene specifics with the script, you know, for Ahmed. So I had to go back in there and change it for Ron. And um, then at that time, as I was working with Ron, I brought in another lady. Her name was Roman. And she was going to do the special effects and, uh, you know, make up special effects and whatnot. And uh, so we started working on that. We started kind of, well, I was the one drawing it up. I was like, okay, this is what I'm seeing, you know, as far as, like, this is what the blood looks like off the character's face. This is how I'm going to, you know, do it. Um, You know, this is how the head looks when it falls to the ground, that kind of thing. And so I gave her the money. And she started buying, you know, the the stuff to make the special effects. So I was working on that. And during this time, um, I think Russo, Russo was, did he, I think he was still in Florida at the time. I can't remember if he moved to Indiana because his second wife, he had, he had married and um, he was now with his second wife who was from Indiana and I can't remember if he was still in Florida or if he was in Indiana at the time. But anyway, he told me, he's like, dude, you know, I, I can't come out there because I wanted him to come out here in California. And there was a, a, a specific scene that we wrote together that I kept in, in the, the original, from the original script into this script. And it's called the Vato and Stoner scene. And the, the Vato and Stoner scene was written specifically for Russo and I. Um, Russo was supposed to be the stoner. I was supposed to be the Vato. Um, it was it was kind of a combination of um, Bill and Ted, one of the characters from Bill and Ted, and Cheech and Chong. You know that was that was kind of the scene specific on it. And I, you know, we were supposed to to shoot it and just having a good time. But he, you know, he was kind of caught up with his second marriage, and and I, I totally understood and respected that. So I was like, okay, that's cool, you know. So I ended up recasting. Well, no, what I did is I I decided to take the role as the stoner, um, just because at the time, you know, I had uh, long hair and I had a beard, and I, I to me, I just felt like I looked more like a stoner. And uh, a good friend of mine, Rich, he had that vato look, you know. And I gave him a script, and I was like, you know, you want to shoot this scene with me? And he was like, yeah, that's cool, you know. And so <clears throat> we we practiced the lines, and we were going to do the Vato and Stoner scene. But at this point, this was kind of when I lost contact with Russo. I didn't hear nothing else from him. Um, you know, he, uh, he just went off and, and did his own personal thing, which was not that big of a deal. And uh, so more time is rolling around and we're trying to get more stuff organized for the shoot. Uh, you know, trying to get the last minute props. We're looking at, you know, costumes where, what we're going to do with special effects. It was, it was really fun. I mean, I, I won't lie. It was very fun, but truth be known is 
I was doing too many things by myself. I should have brought more people into to the project as you know assistants or helpers or producers or whatever they you know they would have done. Um, but I, I was such I had such a large dream of what the the script was supposed to be like that. Um, I micromanaged everything. I literally, everything from casting to special effects to, like I said, you know, catering. You know, I was I was in charge and I, I oversaw everything. And that literally made me seriously sick. I remember, uh, what was it, like August, uh, right a month before we were starting to plan to start shooting, I was really ill. And, um, you know, the doctor said, you know what, you're just, you're dehydrated, you're fatigued, you need some time. So I, I took like a week and a half off and, and just kind of tried to recover, but it did, it made me really sick. And, um, you know, it, even at that, it was still hard to, to try not to work on anything because at the time, not only was I working with the movie, but, you know, we were still putting out a monthly magazine. Uh, you know, the World of Myth magazine, we were putting out monthly. We had just purchased Herotica magazine. You know, we were putting out two books. So, oh my God, I was really super busy during that time. And um, it was kind of hard to not do anything for that week and a half. But at least... I, I didn't really work with the movie. I just kind of took a, a break from the movie. Though I still worked on everything else, uh, I took a break from the movie. And, um, you know, so as time was coming closer to start shooting, we we uh, we were getting ready to to do our, our rehearsals. Because my game plan was is I was going to start rehearsing at least two weeks before we start shooting, because that way, you know, two weeks I felt was enough time for them. Well, number one, they they all had their script months prior, so they should have been rehearsing by themselves, you know, for those months. Um, but then they should have been comfortable by the time they got to rehearsals with the material that they were supposed to, to deliver, you know, as far as acting wise. And then the other two weeks was supposed to be that, um, this was the transition to, to deliver the, the material to the co-host, not the co-host, but the, the co-actor, co-star, whatever you want to call it, you know, where all the actors got together, they were delivering their, their dialogue and doing the scene, becoming comfortable with the people that they were going to work with for the next, you know, few weeks, um, you know, as we shot this movie. So we we made that transition, and a few weeks more passed, and and literally we were one one week before we started shooting. I was so excited, guys. I mean. <clears throat> I have done a lot of stuff that I've always wanted to do. You know, I've I've made comic books. I've been in books. You know, I've published books. I've been in calendars. My artworks, you know... It, you know, everything I've pretty much ever wanted to do, I, I've done already, to be tr completely truthful with you. And I felt that this was just the next step of what I was doing. 
was that I was going to make this movie because I've always been a, a, a fan of film and to make a movie would just be the ultimate thing. And uh, so anyway, we were getting ready to, to start filming and literally one week before we started filming, uh, the the lady that was going to be Don she came up to me and she's like, I need you to read our, rewrite the script. And I'm like, well, what do you mean, rewrite the script? And she's like, well, my boyfriend read the script and there's some sex scenes and he wants those taken out. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know what? We, we can do without the sex scenes. That's, that's all right. That's not that big of a deal. And so I thought the, the incident was diverted. But then the following day, she came back and she goes, you know, he was reading it some more and he wasn't too comfortable with the fact that how much the characters Jason and Don were hanging on each other. You know, can can there be some space between the two? And I, I my my rebuttal was that, you know, they were a new couple. And in reality, when you are with somebody for the very first time, you know, that, that passion and lust and all that shit is very high you know you're hanging on each other essentially especially you know within the first you know what well they say for the first two years you really get that feeling but you know this takes place at, during the the first 13 days of of their relationship so they've only been together for like a week or two weeks so they're going to be hanging on each other and i felt that if they weren't hanging on each other, you know, it wouldn't have been believable. And so I was like, no, you know, I, I'm not willing to compromise that. Um, no. And she's like, okay. Well, then the third day she came back and literally we were down to less than a week to start shooting. And she's like, you know what? I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this role. And mind you, she had been casted for like five months, dude. And, um, you know, he, he decided to read the script last minute. And uh, so she dropped out because I, I just I wasn't willing to compromise the movie with what it, it just would have been wrong, guys. I mean, if if it was I don't know, it just I mean. I tried to make it with the script. I tried to make it as much believable as possible. Um, you know, and I don't know why I'm shooting here, but there's a piece in the script where um, Terry was going to play Bruce and, and he was supposed to walk up to this um, headstone and, and deliver this beautiful monologue. And in fact, Terry and I had went out and we scouted the we knew exactly where we were going to shoot it and it was going to be in a real cemetery. But anyway, it, it was, um, it was believable, you know, and for the, the two main characters to be in love, but not hang on each other, not kiss or hug or anything like that just wouldn't have been believable. And I wasn't willing to, to sacrifice that. So she dropped out. I mean, I literally, I think we had, we were down the, the last five days, four days before we started shooting, she dropped out. And that, that set us back. I'm like, oh, you know, now because now I have to go and completely recast the lead female. 
And I didn't know who I was going to cast. I had no clue. So we literally had to put a postponement on production because now I had to go and find a new lead female. So as I'm doing this, I'm, you know, I go out to online and I'm trying to search for new people to, to fill this role. Um, another thing that happens is um, independent pictures. Now, this is, this is going to be kind of a... I'm going to try to make this story very, very short because it's a very long story. Um, Alan Russo, you know, he owned New Blood Films. And when he created his first movie, Whorehouse Horrors, in the 90s, um, he sold it to independent pitchers for distributing rights. Well, in the contract of their distributing rights, um, they it said that they had all rights to the film for you know, distribution past, present, and future films to be made, and um, they were in all rights. So I was contacted by them, and they're like, well, you can't make this movie because we own the rights, and you've got to pay us you know, to, to make this movie again. And to make, a, like I said, a very long story short, um, it turned into a very nasty legal battle. And... Uh, during the process of that battle, it was like a three or four month battle, um, the guy that I casted, Ron, you know, the, the guy who was going to be the dean, at an incredibly young age, he passed away. And, um, you know, after everything, and then by this time, 2008 had rolled in, and, and the, you know, the housing market crashed, and the stock market crashed, and things just went to hell in a handbasket. It was then where I, I realized that even though I put all this time and all this money, all this effort into it, I wasn't going to succeed in this one project. And uh, I went to the board of directors and I, I, I said, you know what, guys, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but we need to cancel body back. And, uh, you know, especially with the, the market falling out and, and people losing their monies, and it was just not a good thing. We felt that in order to keep the, the company afloat, we could, you know, redirect some of that money, you know, take stuff back and, and, and redirect that money back into the company and keep the, the company afloat. And so the board of directors and I decided and agreed that we were going to cancel body bag. And then we, you know, we, we put out a statement saying that was it, you know, we canceled body bag and it was so hard. I mean, it just, it still hurts when I think about it to this day, you know, because we were making so much news. Um, I remember there was a, a news article on the world of myth. Someone had found a news article. I didn't even know about it. Uh, until I seen it on the forum of the world of myth and Yahoo movies had, you know, talked about this project, our project body bag. I was like, wow, you know, and then, uh, I think entertainment weekly did a piece about it and we were, 
on uh, Dread Central and and all over the internet, you know, where there was buzz and and for the first time in a, ever, to be honest with you, because I've always prided myself that I would I was the person that if I said I was going to go out and do it, then by God in heaven I was going to do it, and I've always been that way, and that was the very first time in my life that I did not succeed. I failed. And, um, I don't know. That was it. After we canceled Body Bag, that was the end of it. You know, there was nothing left to do. Uh, We just walked away from it and said, okay, it is what it is, and we try to learn from our mistakes. So there you have it, folks. Uh, I was actually able to tell you the entire story. I know I left a lot of stuff out. Actually, I didn't leave a lot of stuff out. I actually went in and cut uh, <laughs> like almost a half an hour out um, in the editing process. But that's it. That's the story of Body Bag, and it's short, and, and that pretty much tells you everything that you need to know. So that's it for this week, folks. I am David K. Montoya, and come back next week as we continue to search for the answer to the age-old question of who's the boss. Good night, folks. Have a great week. For such a tiny creature, she punches hard. I know. She gets in those little holes. We couldn't get it. Those little tiny fists. They're like needles. Stop it. I got a freaking tattoo now. Yeah, no no (laughs) chicken either. No. But we did have a good episode of uh, Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss? Yeah, that's all I got. Dave. (laughs) Dave did that one. (laughs) Uh, I didn't hear the first part. I was trying to get chicken. Well, you know. Maybe next time. The chicken or, or the episode. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another Flashback Friday. Yep. Hopefully the next episode goes off without a hitch. Yeah. This is the next episode's for the blind. That's right. No video. No video. All righty. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we'll see you next Friday. Bye-bye.